Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into another week of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you end up listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I'm joined by Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress today as we go through all the happenings from this past weekend in the sports world. Uh, the football season is officially over now, as Super Bowl 58 was last night. We have a lot to talk about in that one. We'll break that one down and everything that goes into the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll also talk about Auburn's unfortunate game at Florida, as they uh, really did not have anything going for them in Gainesville. So we'll digest that game. We'll tell you what it means as Auburn gets set for a very important week on the hardwood at home. Uh, so, again, we'll go through all that, go through all of the other relevant college basketball stuff as well. Uh, today we will, of course, have birthdays and sports as we do each and every day. And as we do each Monday, we will have a best and worst of the weekend. And uh, everything in between, such as your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to be a part of the show today. Ryan Brooks and Tom with you here on this Monday edition of the show. We'll start with you, Tom. I hey. hope you had a good weekend, sir. I, I did have a good weekend. Uh, yeah, There was a rather important football game on last night and uh, had a nice uh, Super Bowl party at Fat Eddie's that I had to work. So uh, I was trying to watch as much game as I could, uh, watch as much commercial as I could. Uh, but The one time a year you can say that sentence. Watch as many commercials as yeah. I could. Yeah. So uh, yeah, good good weekend as far as that goes. Uh, as far as basketball, woof, but it, it happens. Uh, same day, Tennessee goes and gets boat raced at Texas A and M. So uh, you know, you never like to see it happen, but uh, I, I felt like that. I, I felt like a good butt kicking was coming to Auburn at some point. Um, I I, I kind of thought that it was going to happen at Ole Miss, which Auburn survived that one. Uh, but it was Florida, and uh, oh, like I said, I, you don't like to see it, but it, it happens, and uh, you just got to bounce back from it. But, yeah, I mean, overall, good weekend, a lot of stuff to talk about, ready to get into it. Brooks Childress joins us on this Monday show as we have to do some different things lineup-wise here in the spring. Usually Brooks is with us on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, some sort of combination like that. Usually if you hear him on a Monday, it's because I am not here. So, Brooks, it's good to see you on this Monday, and I hope that you had a very good weekend. I did. I had a really good weekend. Um, went down to uh, visit the folks uh, for one day and then went and saw the in-laws the next day. Uh, went to a, a little uh, Mardi Gras celebration 
down there over the weekend. And so as we are in, we are on Lundy Gras. I don't know if anybody anybody knew that. Today's Lundy Gras. Nope. Um, uh, but I didn't know that was a thing. I believe it you, is, but I did not know it, that. It is, it, so the three days, when it, when it gets down to Mardi Gras, you've got Joe Kane Day on Sunday, and you've got Lundy Gras on Monday, and then Mardi Gras on Tuesday. So this Tuesday is Fat Tuesday. Yes, tomorrow is Fat Tuesday. Tomorrow is Fat Tuesday. Ash Wednesday is on Wednesday, okay. folks. Lent starts. <laughs> All right. So get your partying out. Relevant to some. Relevant yeah. to some. Oh, and we did the we did the Mardi Gras parade uh, in Auburn Saturday, uh, and uh, the Tigers. What's that? The crew to Tigers. Yeah, crew, Tigers, Tigris, Tigers. Sure. Tigers, yeah. Uh, Southwest Fire Department had the truck in there, and I was up on top of the truck throwing beads and footballs and you weren't throwing any uh popping off cakes or anything like that no no we we do the beads uh i, I, I didn't expect you to throw entire cakes yeah. people, for the record I just, sure <laughs> i'll leave that to somebody <laughs> else cake. throwing cakes but um <laughs> throwing babies <laughs> throwing babies I, you know, we always used to say that uh the old drum corps days if you got the crowd going crazy throwing babies <laughs> and so uh, no throwing babies, uh, throwing lots of beads. I had some Auburn beads that I threw that were cool, popped off some confetti cannons, got the crowd going crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, fun Mardi I'm Gras glad stuff. that was scheduled for Saturday, not Sunday. Too, yeah. It, well, and, and it the wasn't ra- like Saturday was perfect, but it was no, not. But, well, the rain yeah. held off just enough. Uh, it, it started kind of drizzling right at we got, when we got through the parade and we were about to get off the top of the truck and get back in. It started drizzling. But uh, it it held off like by a whisker, nice. And then ever since then, it has just been full deluge. Yes, it has. Yeah. Uh, so I hope I hope yeah. you were dry this it, weekend. It, I was. It was. Uh, it it remained dry for most of the time we were down there. I was able to get in in and out of the uh, the uh, the venue uh, comfortably with no rain. But it was it was fun. Uh, fifth year, I think we've done it, and so it's uh, it was fun again. Uh, came back last night, watched the, or yesterday afternoon, watched Super Bowl with uh, Mr. Ryan Lavoy and a couple others, um, and that was that was fun. Uh, you know, getting uh, obviously the the final grasp of football until August. Well, yeah, August when when preseason kicks back in. I know we've got spring football now with the with the UFL and such, but it's you know. You watch it sparingly. It, it's a, it's a. Sometimes it's a filler. You, you watch it, but real football, uh, done till August. 194 days. Well, 193 days now until uh, college football kicks off in Dublin, Ireland, uh, in August. So we're uh, count, start the count. The countdown clocks More already going. More than half a year, man. Countdown clocks already going in the children's household for football season to come back. Um, Let me at least get to like. 150 or something, <laughs> something that's way below half the year. Because that 190, you say 180 something? 193. 93. Yep. We, we yeah. do get some spring football, though. Yeah. We, we, we get the, the merger. It just we, doesn't feel the same. You know, you, you don't well, like no. sit down and like, oh, we got the U, you yeah, know, UFL not, this weekend. Oh, no, no. When, when the Super Bowl ends, it's like, it's baseball season, baby. Right. Let's go. Pitchers, catchers report on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, and Auburn, Auburn starts Friday. Yep. Um. Yeah. It's it's not like one of those where like Super Bowls over. You're like, yes, time for some USFL. Yeah. <laughs> nah. It's it's baseball season now. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think we'll be doing game breakdowns of the UFL. Although Ghost Stallions. Uh, Ghost UFL. Stallions. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but uh, yeah. merger of the USFL and the XFL. XFL. Yep. That's what. Yeah. Yep. So the the Rock and Company. You know, he came to Birmingham for a WWE, I believe. 
That was a couple uh, weeks ago. A couple weeks it? ago because yeah. he's part promoting it because he's going to a city which is still in the UFL. So anyway, we're already off the tracks. Uh, <laughs> in the first Welcome to Sports Call. Welcome we're to already another off week. The track. This is us for the next six months until the aforementioned football returns. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's start today with Auburn basketball. We will get to plenty of Super Bowl today. Uh, everything from the Chiefs to will Shanahan ever win to commercials and everything in between. We'll get there. Uh, but let's let's start with Auburn basketball. It was a rough one at Florida this weekend. Uh, really a game that Auburn was done from the get-go almost. Um, it was 9 nothing. I believe Auburn cut it to something like 13-6 or 14-7 or something like that. And that was as close as it was. It never got back to a two-possession game at any point after the original first two or three minutes of the game. So Florida whoops up on Auburn, uh, 81-65. It could have been a 30-point game. Auburn kept battling, and they played hard, and they were pressing, and uh, they got some buckets late to make it uh, not a Kentucky-style beatdown, if you recall. Uh, The the games at Rupp a couple of times over the last six or seven years. But uh, still, 81-65, and I'm sure some were, are just going to wonder what's it going to take for Auburn to win a game in Gainesville yeah. because it's not been since 1996. And look, from 90, late 90s to six or seven years ago, like totally understandable. Florida's better than Auburn most of those years, maybe not like right at 2000, but most of those years. Uh, however, the last three or four times Auburn's gone to Gainesville, Auburn would – be considered the better team they took a top five team in there one year uh they obviously were ranked 12th coming this one florida unranked uh, and yet just nothing doing for auburn in gainesville yeah um there's just not really a lot of positive that you can take from this i mean i i honestly kind of want to just take this box score in front of me ball it up throw it in the trash can and forget that game ever happened i i I think that's kind of the mindset that Bruce Pearl and that team are going to have with this one is to ball it up, throw it away, move on to the next, and just, you know, learn your lessons. There was just not a lot of positive that you could take from this. Uh, uh, I mean, you scored 26 points in the first half. That's just abysmal. A a team that has been scoring the last couple games 50s and a half are held to just 26. Uh, you do score 39 in the second half, which is still below what you had been doing. Uh, you t- you're able to keep them tied through the second half, but I mean, you only score 26. You shoot, you shoot just three of 17 from three. Uh, I mean, it was bad. Just it was bad all around. 15 turnovers. It's a team that does not turn the ball over like that. They only you know, but they turned it over 15 times and only only got seven turnovers. Uh, you even look at the bench. The one thing that Auburn has like really, you know, you could look at, at lopsided uh, bench totals, and you look at this, and Auburn only outscored Florida thirty-one to twenty-eight off the bench. So your bench, uh, I mean, you got the thirty-one out of them, but I mean, their their guys get twenty-eight. They it's just bad. I mean, it was just a bad game. Uh, it was a game that just not a lot went right for them. Uh, it was a game that. Open shots, just you you would manufacture open shots and they just would not go down. It was not one of those where uh, Auburn would just race down there and just fire up just willy-nilly shots and miss them. I mean, they would run their offense. They would get set, find the open shot, make the open shot, and it just wouldn't go in. And 
unfortunately, that happens. Uh, and it's kind of part of basketball. Like I said, you chalk it up. Uh, but what happened there was not unusual. Like I said, Tennessee went to Texas A&M and got beat by almost the identical score. And so, um, yeah, you just chalk it up, move on to the next. Um, they're, they're, there's even tougher games coming ahead, but you get you get some games here at home. And the last the, the last thing you need to do is is let any memories or bugaboos from that linger as you get into these next games here at home. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. You pointed out, uh, you know, one of these things uh, on the scoring wise. You look at the field goals. Uh, it was only what Auburn only hit three less field goals total than than Florida did. But it was the like you mentioned, Tom, the three point shooting. And then you look at the other category. You sh- you attempted just as many free throws as Florida did on the afternoon, but they knocked down 20 of 26. You knocked down 14 of 26. So three point scoring wise, the three point ball and not hitting some of these free throws really hurt you. And then you mentioned that the 15 turnovers is, is not a winning formula there. Um, 15 turnovers, uh, Florida scored 16 points off of those 15 turnovers. They were dominant. Um, you, you look at their, their scoring and it's not like it was the whole team you know, doing it. You had uh, a few guys that uh, you you had a, you know just a, three guys that were really the the top scorers. Zion Pullen had 19. Walter Clayton Jr. had 20. And then a lot of those bench points came from one guy that Riley Kugel came off the bench and hit got 22 points on the afternoon. This is a, it's a missed opportunity for for the Tigers. One Ryan you mentioned to to kind of get rid of the the narrative that Auburn can't win in Gainesville um, if if you know they went down there and, and got a win uh, that it may, it wouldn't have extinguished the narrative but it at least would have said oh, all right finally we got we finally Bruce Pearl finally got one in, in Gainesville um, it, it's also a missed opportunity because this Florida team is a team that's projected into the NCAA field right now uh, they're a team that uh, that you you go into March this is a March style basketball game and the, these are the types of teams you're going to be playing. You're not going to be playing them inside Neville, Neville Arena. I, you're not going to be playing them inside the Stephen O'Connell Center, that's for sure. But you're you know, playing away from, from uh, Neville Arena, Auburn's got to get more consistent. I know you went on the road uh, last weekend and got a big win at Ole Miss, but you've got to be more consistent uh, playing true road games here. You, you've got to win. You, you've got to at least make it a, a basketball game when you're, you're going on the road against a, a team like Florida and, and not take such bad of a loss. And, you you know, it, it also hurts because you mentioned you've got a tough schedule coming up. You've got a South Carolina team coming in on Wednesday, and I know you get them at home. I know the ne- next two games you get them at home, but these are two very good basketball teams. South Carolina is a team that has uh, kind of surprised some folks this year. Kind of. They were picked last in the league. <laughs> <laughs> kind of surprised some folks this year. And now they're they're ranked uh, above Auburn. Above right? Auburn, yeah. And so they come into Neville Arena, a higher-ranked team. And then Saturday you've got a Kentucky team. That this South Carolina team already beat this year. And so it's this is a big week for Auburn. And you get, you get both these games at home, which is a very good thing, but – uh, you know, the, the, this performance at Florida did not leave you with a really it, – it feels like the, the Alabama game a couple weeks ago. It does not leave a really good taste in your mouth, and hopefully Auburn can turn this uh, – can, can get back on track and not have a repeat of what happened after the Alabama game where they went in to Mississippi State and lost that game. You get to come back home. You get to take on South Carolina at home. Hopefully Auburn can reverse those fortunes and, and get a win over South Carolina and not let it – sting them like the Alabama game did yeah it will be a big week for Auburn as they do have South Carolina and Kentucky both 
on their home court. Uh, we'll get more into those later in the week, but I'll go ahead and tell you that with South Carolina, part of the most impressive thing about them is that they do have that win over Tennessee in Knoxville. So South Carolina has gone to a top-10 team already this year and won. That is something that is very hard to do. Uh, as for this game, uh, talked about in the preview how good Florida was offensively. Um, and this was said during the broadcast. I know the broadcast was not the most wonderful in the world. Um, but three of the top ten scoring teams in the country are in the SEC. Uh, and Florida is one of them. And I had mentioned last week, I don't usually quote to you how many times a team shoots the ball in a game. But I did do that to try to illustrate that they do play with more tempo, more pace. They shoot it about 67 times a game, which was coming into it third in the entire country. It means they pay with place, or excuse me, play with pace. They win the turnover battle most of the time. Uh, sometimes they're able to out rebound teams, and really that that sort of thing. Uh, Auburn was able to do a pretty good job on the rebounding part of it, but it was the turnover part of it that that was a little uncharacteristic. Uh, so there was that. And then as you guys already talked about, the shooting, I will give Auburn credit in this. They they stopped shooting threes in the second half. Yeah. And that's something that you can count on on one or two hands that Auburn teams under Bruce Pearl do when they're not hitting threes. They, they usually are who they are, and if they're shooting threes, they're going to keep shooting them. They went 1-12 in the first half, which is awful. Yeah, And they decided in the second half, we're, we're not doing that anymore, and they were 2-5. Uh, so I do give them credit for changing their offensive approach. It really did not pay off until the last seven or eight minutes of the game. Like, if you wanted to just look statistically, you could very easily, as Brooks just said, say three-pointers and free throws because they shot the exact same amount of free throws, and Florida made six more free throws than Auburn. And then in the three-point category, Florida hit seven out of 21, which is not some great percentage. It's 33%. But they hit seven, and Auburn hit eight abysmal, three of 17. So that's 12 points right there on four more made threes. That's six points on free throws. That's 18. Auburn lost by 16. However, there also is the part of this where Auburn was down uh, as much as 29 points in this game and well into the 20s for a good portion of the second half. It was only, uh, I think they took a, they went on like a 7-0 run in the last two minutes of the game before Florida shot some free throws to get it into that mid-teens uh, territory. So on one hand, it, this was almost what we've talked about with Auburn a couple of times at home where it's like, okay, they kind of took their foot off the gas. They could have picked their score and they didn't win by the absolute most they could have. You could have also argued that was the same thing that happened with Florida. Florida kind of chilled out a little bit. Also, if you're keeping up closely with SEC basketball, you know that Florida did blow a 21 or 22-point lead to Georgia at home about three or four weeks ago and just escaped with a win after having a 20-plus point lead. So Florida has also done this once or twice this year. So I say that to say Auburn really got thumped. Uh, you know, it was 16 points in the end. And credit Auburn for playing hard and getting some buckets and, and again, uh, correcting some of the, the three-point shots and, and trying to, to get down low more, drawing more fouls, all that. Uh, but, but they really did get manhandled this game, and, and Florida allowed them – no momentum of consequence at all. Again, as I said, once it became 9 nothing, uh, Auburn never got it back to a two-possession game. The closest they cut it, which was almost immediate after that, was 7. And that was it, um, the, the whole game. And so they really had, had nothing going for them. Now, um, you can also say this, I, and I would probably lean this way, that that also just tells you 
it's just not your day. And it's probably not something that I would look for again. I don't think Auburn would lose in that manner again the rest of this year. Um, and, and more of just the stars aligning for the absolute worst of everything. Again, uh, Florida was dynamic offensively. Auburn was not able to turn them over at the rate that they're accustomed to when they are playing a better uh, a better offense. Like, again, Alabama, they were able to turn over a good bit, and that's how they were keeping Alabama from just going at will. Against Florida, they only forced seven turnovers against the Gators, so they were really not that disruptive defensively. And then I told you about Auburn's turnovers. They, they had 15 of them. They averaged around 10 to 11. Obviously, we talked about all the shooting. It's just everything they did was on the worst version of themselves, it felt like. Um, and, and so, to me, that is more of a one-off performance. Certainly, people are worried about the road stuff. And, and look, that's, that's college basketball. And you say, well, you don't usually get thumped like that. And I said, yes, but some teams usually have one clunker. Now, maybe it's not a thumping. But maybe it's losing to a god-awful team, like Kansas losing at West Virginia. West Virginia is awful. North Carolina losing at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is awful. So that's a clunker. It's just not a blowout because, well, they were 25 points better than those terrible teams, and they lost by three. So they played like 30 points below their, their par. Auburn, same thing here. They are probably on a neutral floor, I don't know, seven, eight, nine points better than Florida. Well, that's not a huge margin. And so when you play your absolute clunker, then you get beat pretty darn bad on the road there. So I think it's more of that because you had seen better things from this team on the road. You saw them beat Ole Miss and have an amazing second half. I know it was disappointing to lose to Alabama. Alabama's could win the SEC this year. They're at least in the running for it. And you lost by four when you had a chance to tie on a free throw. Like, that's not a bad road performance. And then, obviously, they did lose to Mississippi State. That was not a great one. They also clocked Arkansas, who's, I know, bad. But, nevertheless, you clock somebody. Uh, and so, you you had had some pretty decent road performances, at least not out of the realm of possibility of, okay, this is reasonable to expect this. So, that's why I don't expect another thumping on the road. Even when Auburn goes to Tennessee, I'm not saying I expect them to win it. But I, I think that they are still – Somewhere around normal uh, for top 25 teams and how they play on the road. Uh, and obviously, as they go through this, they've got a couple more tough ones on the road uh, in the coming weeks, which we'll talk about. The schedule continues to get tougher, all that. But uh, I think more than anything, yes, the road helped enable it, but maybe more of a one-off than maybe people uh, that are panicking a little bit w- would say. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll get to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Also get to birthdays and sports. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday edition of the program. We'll have a few more thoughts on Auburn basketball a little bit later, including uh, getting into the Super Bowl, as, of course, Super Bowl 58 took place last night. Very eventful game. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. We'll also go to the orthopedic phone line coming up in a little bit. But for now, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. All right, birthdays and sports today. We've got Chet Lemon, who turned 69, former MLB outfielder who was drafted in the first round of the 1972 Major League Baseball draft and played 16 seasons for the Chicago White Sox from 1975 to 1981, Detroit Tigers from 1982 to 1990. Lemon is known as being one of the best defensive outfielders of all time. He was a three-time All-Star and World Series champion with the Tigers, where he started in center field to finish his career, career with 215 home runs and 884 RBIs. Born in Jackson, Mississippi, but moved to Los Angeles at six months old and attended John C. Fremont High School. Go Pathfinders. A lot of famous people went to that high school, including Dr. Dre and a bunch of others. Well, that needed to be John C. Freeway High School if they were going to be the Pathfinder or something. You would think. That's the best I can do. I'll go home. Yeah, I'll go home. Larry Nance Sr. is 65 today. Former NBA player. Nance played collegiately at Clemson. Go Tigers. Successful during his time with the Tigers, being a second-team All-ACC selection. In 1981, selected 20th overall in the NBA draft by the Phoenix Suns. Nance would go on to have a successful career, both the Suns and Cavs. Was a three-time All-Star and All-NBA Defensive First Teamer, two-time NBA All-Defensive Second Teamer, and was a Slam Dunk Contest champion. His number 22 is retired by the Cavs. Uh, from Anderson, South Carolina, McDuffie High School, which uh, closed in 1996, but at the time, McDuffie High School, go Fighting Scots. Fighting Scots? The Scots. Oh, the Fighting Scots. Fighting Scots, McDuffie, South Carolina. That, that's good. That is good. <laughs> McDuffie. That's a proper Scottish name. We had a in Scott. South Carolina. We did we have had a Scott some last Scott. week, but you were on the show to oh, give us yeah. that voice. Uh, but Larry Nance Sr., who's a fighting Scott, he's 65 today. Brent Jones is 61, former NFL tight end. Jones played college football at Santa Clara. Uh, let's go Broncos. Where he was an All-American and WFC Offensive Player of the Year, three-time first-team All-WFC. Jones would be selected in the fifth round of the 1986 NFL Draft by the Steelers, but his most successful stint was with the 49ers. There he was a three-time Super Bowl champion, first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, and four-time Pro Bowler. Finished with over 5,000 receiving yards and 33 touchdowns. He's a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. From Leland High School in San Jose, California, go Chargers. Mm. Brent Jones, 61. And then Robert Griffin III, RG3, is 34. Former NFL quarterback, Griffin played college football at Baylor. Go Bears. Where he is widely considered to be the best quarterback in Baylor history. Griffin won the Heisman in 2011 with a ton of other accomplishments. Griffin will go on to be selected second overall by the Washington Redskins in the 2012 NFL Draft. His rookie season was his best, winning rookie of the year, was a pro bowler. However, injuries derailed his career and was never quite the same. Griffin now helps do uh, helps ESPN with doing commentary both in the professional uh, level there with NFL Live and stuff like that, and then also in college football color, Robert Griffin III is 34 today. We went to uh, Coppers Cove High School in Coppers Cove, Texas. Go Bulldogs. 
But apparently it is Bulldogs. Dogs. It's the D-A-W-G-S, the Bulldogs. Go Dogs. We got the Scots and the Bulldogs. By the way, Chet Lemon, his college is not mentioned in there. He did play college ball at Pepperdine. Go Waves. Go Waves. I didn't see that on his bio. Baseball reference. Huh. Pepperdine's the one on the water, basically, yeah. right? It's, it's literally yeah. it's in Malibu, like on the water, on the water. What? How much do you think it costs to go there? I a lot. It's a private <laughs> university, free if you get a scholarship. Yeah, I actually, I had a um, a friend of mine went to Pepperdine. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Her dad's like a dentist up in okay, outside of Nashville, I think Murfreesboro, maybe area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she went to Pepperdine. It's a long way to travel. Yeah, she's she's kind of like the socialite thing out there around that area. You hang out. She used to hang out at the Playboy Mansion a lot and party scene out there. Okay, yeah. not a Playboy model. She just would go to the parties, but, but yeah, she yeah, went, that's all she did. But yeah. she went to Pepperdine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, again, Malibu. There you go. Um, I think that uh, that was a pretty good list there because of the nicknames because we had the. Yeah. Scott's there. And Pathfinders. Pathfinders. I I don't not know, on the road. I don't know how <laughs> many uh, how many high schools are car names. Uh, that would be ooh, that would be a good look up there. But uh, that would be fun is to uh, to run out uh, the football team run out behind a Nissan Pathfinder driving onto the field. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you did that instead of having seven high schoolers trip over themselves as they try to get break through the little banner. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, that'd be a way more effective way of breaking the banner. Technically, we technically we had two car names on here. Did I miss one? What was that? Chargers. Oh yeah, yeah Chargers. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm always thinking of the, of the NFL team, but uh, I know. Yeah. But uh, you know, we got yeah. some, we got a Pathfinders and a Charger. Yeah. So there you go. Listen, if Nissan or Dodge wants to sponsor the program, <laughs> give us a call. Great I, opportunity uh, right there. There, there technically is a firefighting apparatus, a uh, brush truck called a bulldog. So. I hey, guess, you know. look at that. Wow, transportation then. There you go. Uh, that was the transportation part of the show. And the Scott. And oh, the no, Scots. I, no, it was fighting. I thought it was flying Scott. I think the other one we had was the flying Scots. But oh, you don't want our, the Scots flying. I think it was just Scots, just the Scots. Honestly. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I, I was like, just a name, huh? And then you was like, no, it's not about a name. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Those are birthdays in sports Yay. today. We are <laughs> going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll head to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. You are listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday. Let's go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 
1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the show this afternoon. First up today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Good afternoon, Dave Boz. How's it going? It's doing good, Dave Boz. Yeah, uh, the Arm Schwarzenegger commercial last night. Yep. Yeah, uh, I thought that to me was one of the most hilarious ones. Yeah, that was a good one. My uh, my favorite was definitely uh, the the Dunkin' Dunkin' Donuts one. There, I missed the, that one. I uh, that was great. Oh. You, you should watch it. It's great. Yeah, there was a lot, there were actually some really good hilarious ones last night. Uh, how about the one with uh, Jennifer? Uh, 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 what's it? Uh, and uh, the the Uber. Uh, the Uber. Uh, Commercial where she kept forgetting. Uh, oh, the the door. It uh, was it uh, yeah. Uber Eats or DoorDash. Yeah, right. Your, yeah, yeah. That that was that was kind of funny too. And then we had I love the Crystal Walken one with the BMW. Yeah. Everybody's imitating you know, how he talks. The yeah the the one that I I was disappointed in because I've seen the full length commercial the the one that had all the actors in the uh, and he's throwing the uh, the kid that's head shaped like a football oh yeah, oh, yeah the yeah, Paramount yeah, yeah. Plus pa- the Paramount Plus so the original commercial to that is absolutely hilarious and they shortened it down so much that it lost a lot of the the funniness to it but if you yeah, the, 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 the Paramount right. I think yeah, the Paramount Plus, uh, yeah, with all the different uh, actors yeah. and actresses and everything. But yeah, the the full length commercial for that that is online is absolutely hilarious, and they had to shorten it so much that it took out a lot of the funniness of that. All right, gentlemen, do we want to go with the Super Bowl comments, or do we want to go with the Super Meltdown comments? Well, I tell you what. Let, let's go ahead and get the get your. I, I'm assuming your super meltdown is going to be basketball, and I mean, we could go ahead and hit that one because we just chalk it up to that. Like we were saying earlier, it happens. You, you can try to diagnose that one all you want to. It was a bad game. Bad games happen. All the top teams in the country have had bad games. It stinks. Okay. Ball it up. Um, throw I it away. Move on you. to the next. I thought about you, Tom, at halftime because I cut. I, I cut. I, I cut it off the first time of the season that I have actually. Cut the damn game off. I said, that's it. The game is over. Now, it was more than bad. This was the worst, the worst performance of the season. That, that, that's my ranking. Uh, oh, wow. Because uh, I mean, you guys may disagree, uh, but Nathan and Jason Caldwell uh, pretty much agreed with it. I mean, when you have your, we have your top two people in scoring who go, well, let's see. Let me start with Janiah Broom goes one for eight at the free throw line. Yeah. You got Jalen Williams going one for seven, I think, uh, on his shot making. He was I said, three oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and then we got Aiden uh, Holloway doing nothing offensively. Uh, right. And the I don't even, there's no point in me going any further. Uh, but, guys, you know, I heard, you know, um, I watched a video, the post game conference after it. Uh, uh, the game with uh, Coach Pearl and his, you know, comments about, well, you know, uh, our our feet were tired, you know, our legs were tired. Uh, we only had, I think, one or two days to practice. We we're on the road, and they had a week off. Well, I said, hold on, guys. Now you tell me if I'm wrong here, but if that's your explanation, then what in the world are we going to be like in the NCAA tournament when you have no more than one or two days in between your next games? Yeah, I, I mean, I, 
he's he's just kind of spitting facts. I mean, it, it, there is the fact that Auburn was tired. I mean, they looked tired. Florida was fresh. They did have a week off. I think he's just kind of explaining there's some facts there. But I agree. I mean, once you get into tournament time, you've got to be ready to play. Um, so, Steve, like I said, it, it's it, this. It, look, it was a bad game. You can diagnose it any sort of way that you want to. There's no redeeming factors of this game whatsoever. Uh, it, it's a bad game. But like we mentioned, everybody is having them. Tennessee just got absolutely blown out by Texas A&M. North Carolina has lost games that they shouldn't win, okay, should not so have lost. Kansas has done I'm, that. Yeah, it happens. Tom, it happens. Tom, they, did they perform as badly as our team performed? Because this is uncharacteristic. Well, the ten, I, well, I'll tell you this: the Tennessee Tennessee at A&M was almost an identical score. So Texas A&M beat the brakes off of Tennessee. Yeah, and again, Steve, as I was saying uh, in the first segment today, uh, just because it took a different form in, in terms of blowout does not mean it's any, uh, in my opinion, that much different than a team like North Carolina losing to an awful Georgia Tech team or uh, or West, or Kansas losing to West Virginia. And the reason I give those examples, you know, yes, they did not lose those games by much. Carolina had a chance to win at the end. Kansas only lost by a few points by single digits. I get that, but. Florida's an NCAA tournament team. So on a neutral court, I think Auburn's probably seven, eight, nine points better. So they basically played like 25, 30 points below what they're capable of against Florida. I think North Carolina is like 30 points better than Georgia Tech. I think Kansas is like 25, 30 points better than West Virginia. And they lost those games. And so even though it was by a couple points, they still played – unbelievably terrible to end up losing those games. It's just that those teams are really bad. So when Kansas and North Carolina and whoever play their absolute worst, it's just a close loss against those awful teams. Whereas when Auburn plays its absolute worst against an NCAA tournament team, it's not going to be a close loss because that team is actually competent enough to beat them easily. Ryan, I hope to gosh that your uh, and Tom's explanation is the more credible and plausible one. But I'm, I'm saying to myself, well, uh, you know, if we play like this because of, of lack of, you know, as Coach Pearl said, uh, our, our legs, you know, we didn't have our legs because uh, we didn't uh, have a two days to get prepared, well, then what is it to be expected of our team yeah. when it comes to NCAA tournament uh, games? Look, I, that, I don't, look, I don't agree with that. Uh, I, I know Bruce said it. I, I don't agree with every single thing the head coach says. Um I think that I think more than likely what the real thing was is that uh, Auburn was coming off an emotional high against Alabama. That's the truth of it. They just played. They scored nearly a hundred points. They played awesome. They played a really good team that they really really wanted to beat, and then they got punched in the mouth uh, to, to to open up the Florida game, and they didn't know how to respond to that, and they also maybe didn't have the focus level that they needed to. Uh, and that does happen in, in, in college sports. It happens with these rivalry games all the time, uh, actually. So, uh, you know, I think that they probably just didn't handle the, the couple of days after a huge win. I don't think it's actual fatigue. Uh, you know, if you want to say that Florida uh, having a week off to prepare was nice and got them to rest, sure. And I know we talked a little bit about that. Uh, before the game, and I and I said that it shouldn't be too much of an issue. Uh, maybe it was a little bit of an issue, but on Auburn's side of things, no, they're not going to tire out because of what Bruce said just about this this one sequence and 
uh, and that sort of thing because I know that Auburn uh, has had to play in couple-day turnarounds before. They will have to do it again, uh, and, and, and they play. And by the way, the whole point of them playing 10 and 11 players is that so they don't get tired. So just quite frankly, honestly, Bruce is just just not – is just a little full of it right there. I mean, it's just it just – it is the kind of coach speak that you have when you are trying to, you know, deflect some blame and, and, and calm things down a little bit and that sort of thing. And he has every right to do that. I don't blame him for that. But just because he says it doesn't mean you, you have to believe it. And yeah, they're it's tired and fatigue is not gonna be an issue for them. And you know, guys, the announcers on there I heard the comments, um, they they and I noticed it too, they didn't come out with any really kind of energy. Uh, and they played flat. And, you know, it could have been worse to defeat. In fact, there was a 29-point gap at one point right at the end, and then they finally brought it down to 16. So, you know, we've got two games at home that I'm saying they are must-wins. Yes. Uh, we cannot take South Carolina lightly at all, even though they were voted for some reason last by the uh, riders, I guess. And we got Kentucky, who has been playing not Kentucky at all, a typical Kentucky. But Guys, we got to win these. And then I'm saying on the road, there are three main games. We have to beat Missouri. There's no ifs and buts about that. I agree. Uh, they, they got trounced over the weekend by who? Who was it? Uh, Arkansas, though. Uh, they lost to Mississippi State at home by 24. State. Yeah, okay. All right. Then we've got to at least split between Georgia and Tennessee. In, in order to do what? In order to win the SEC regular season title? Yes. And I saw yeah. Alabama's remaining uh, road games. Um, guys, what do you think is realistic if they might lose one of their road games? Is they got to play Florida. Right. they got to play um, Kentucky. Kentucky. And who else? Uh, at Ole Miss, and I think that is it for the road games. They've got, they've got home games against A&M. They, they play Florida again at home. Uh, and then they've got Tennessee at home. they got Arkansas at home. Okay. So, guys – which one of those three games do you think is plausible that they will lose on the road? Uh, I mean, Kentucky's plausible, but Kentucky keeps losing to everybody at home. Like Kentucky's Kentucky's in a rut. We'll see if they figure it out in the next couple weeks. I hope they don't <laughs> because they play Auburn this weekend. Right, on ESPN uh, game day. Right. Uh, so I hope they don't figure it out then, but uh, Alabama-Kentucky played the following Saturday on the 24th. Uh, at Ole Miss – you know, Ole Miss is just not – I think they're proving to be a little bit empty in terms of their record is not really actually proof of who they are. So I would – I don't. I think that could be a competitive game. I don't necessarily expect being able to lose it. Uh, even though that's a home game, I mean, Tennessee is going to be tough. Tennessee uh, is capable of winning anywhere. Uh, Tennessee did beat them pretty easily in Knoxville, beat them by 20. Uh, so that's definitely a red flag game. And then that at Florida game. So I would say there's about three, maybe four – uh, realistically losable games for Alabama there. That does not mean okay. they will lose them all, but but just right. in terms of losable. All right, let's go move on real quickly to the Super Bowl last night. I thought it was thrilling. And, guys, you know, I'm telling you, I'm 72 years old. I've not seen too many Super Bowl games that were this competitive and this thrilling. Uh, and I've, I've seen some – most of them, in fact, I'd say the majority of them have been one-sided. They've not been that competitive. This was a really a game thriller. In fact, I'll say – most of the times, at least the Super Bowls I have watched throughout my years, uh, the playoffs were more competitive and more thrilling than the actual Super Bowl games were. But having said that, guys, there were two – I wanted to hear your comments. There were two events that occurred in the game last night that determined the, uh, the, the outcome 
uh, a win for Kansas City. I was for Kansas City. One was the muffed punt in the fourth quarter. Was it the fourth quarter? Third when quarter. Hit, was it third quarter? Yep, late that third. One, yeah. And then the other one was, um, oh, uh, there's a block extra point. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. That was huge. That ended yeah. up being if huge. If that yep. hadn't made it, I don't know what the outcome might have been. I'll tell you this. The people who had the over just lost a bunch of money because the over was 47 and a half or the under was 47 and a half. And what was the final? 47. Yep. Yeah. Bad well, beat. Bad beat. Yeah. Look, Vegas did a, did a really good job again. Uh, not, not necessarily that I'm not talking about the host, although I'm sure they did fine, but just in terms of the betting, uh, they were on a lot of those again. And, uh, look, we'll get into a, a very detailed breakdown coming up, but I, I, I think in order for Kansas City to have the opportunity to win it, I do feel that San Francisco played a big role in losing it, and part of those sequences uh, were, were a huge part of it. I mean, the, the, the Kansas City had nothing going on offense until that muff punt, and or you know the punt hit the foot. It wasn't really a muff, but it hits the foot of the, the San Francisco guy. And they, they scored the very next play. After that, they weren't stopped again. Uh, after, after that little one-play, 16-yard sequence, they went field goal, field goal, touchdown for the win. And uh, they, all, well, they were all at least 60-yard drives. So that kind of unlocked some confidence and momentum for Kansas City's offense. So, so obviously the score mattered, but also what happened, everything from that point forward really enabled Kansas City to, to find their confidence, find their footing offensively. So that was a huge play. And look, the blocked PAT is interesting because, I, yes, uh, obviously they would not have been able to kick the field goal. However, uh, if you'll recall, they did get to the 11-yard line there with 10 seconds left. Uh, and then have to take the field goal, uh, what, uh, the next to last play of the game, then the 49ers had three seconds and kneeled it. So they would have gotten one, maybe two more shots at the end zone. With Mahomes, you never know. They might have just scored the touchdown right there if they had to go for it. Uh, So uh, that one, I know it's so rare for me to say this in a game that goes to overtime and you lost an obvious point. Maybe that didn't hurt him as much as you would think because it's very possible Kansas City just scores the touchdown right then and there, and then they win by th- you know they win at that moment. So I definitely think the punt was killer, and the point after was more of just a a, a summary of of how San Francisco continued to leave leave points on the board. Okay, fair. I just thought to me those were two crucial ones. Tell me something, guys. Educate me here uh, about the new rules uh, at the end. When uh, they were down, what the ten yard line? Well, I forgot what uh, that uh, uh, Mahomes and, and the team were down there, uh, and he scored. He threw it to a Hartman. Was that his name? Yeah, Nicole Hartman. Nicole Hartman. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Former uh, Georgia Bulldog. Okay, so when the clock was going down, I said, "You better, you know, spike the uh, spike the ball, you know, stop the clock or something, you know." But they didn't do it. Uh, if the clock had run out. Uh, would that have been the end of the game yes. no. or, or not? No. No. And over time, no. Uh, you had the right to possess the ball, and this was caused confusion. I really wish that uh, the broadcast had done a better job explaining this for everyone. Uh, I know each one had a possession, but I right. know if the clock runs out, that's it. Right. It, that, that was not the case. They, they were playing it as if it was the first quarter of a new game. And, uh, and so uh, they would have not – 
had uh, they would have had the opportunity to finish the possession even if it went to zero. Otherwise, that would have ended up being uh, one of the the dumbest gaffes in Super Bowl history if they ended up trying to run that down and and go uh, with with seven or eight seconds left. Imagine if they run around, throw an incompletion, and then it hits zero. They don't even get to kick well, okay. the field goal. But uh, I'm glad you, yeah, they got uh, to finish it, 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 that possession no matter what. I, yeah. I was okay. honestly not aware of that either. Yeah. I thought I thought once that clock hit zero, that was it. I was originally I was originally thinking the same thing as you guys, and and I had to go look it up. But um, the broadcast did not explain that properly. All right, about uh, that, that play, guys. I could believe that he was as open as he was, but I replayed replayed it, and then we had a position. But then I heard I watched after the the uh, the game was over. The, the people's celebrations of the comments from players. And, you know, they talked to uh, Harbin about the catch, and he said it was hilarious. He said, you know, I blacked out, <laughs> he said, when I caught the pass. And then he didn't know that the game was over. It took Mahomes to go to him as they were celebrating. He says, we won the game. And he did not know it, guys. He, he, he didn't know, uh, I guess, like a lot of people, that that, that was uh, the new rule. So he had no clue that they had actually won the game. He just thought they had, you know, scored a touchdown. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Now, your comments, guys. I'm trying to be real quick here. Yeah, final thing for you, Steve, because we're about the, out of time for the hour. I was yep. shocked. In fact, I was taken back. I said, I said to myself, can you believe what the heck just happened? He said, what? I saw Kelsey, this is the first quarter, it was three to nothing, go up to Andy Reid and bump him pretty, pretty harshly. And in fact, that jostled uh, Andy Reid, and he was yelling at him something. So after the, the game was over, the conversation asked Kelsey first, what did he say to him? He said, well, if I was mic'd up, uh, I mean, I would say uh, I told him I loved him. Hmm. And then they asked Andy Reid. They laughed. And Andy Reid said he came up to him later on. He says, just give me the ball. I'll score. But he didn't seem to be that bothered. But, guys, you know, if a non-Kelsey player had done that to a coach, uh, do you think there might have been some repercussions? I mean, I think that it does help that he's Travis Kelsey and he's a, a Hall of Fame tight end and, and uh, they've had a working relationship for that long. I, I think that you've seen you've seen some blow-ups on the sideline before. I can think of Brady. Brady has blown up on Belichick quite a few but times. Did he hit it? Has anyone ever? Well, I don't – he didn't mean to hit it. Didn't, he didn't go in there he and like – I mean, he bumped him pretty he, harshly. He bumped him, and Andy Reid said that he was off balance, so it kind of looked worse than it was. I mean, he bumped him, but he didn't go up there and just hit the head coach. No, he, no, I, he just I know. bumped into him. So yeah, I just thought so. that was that, that was pretty egregious there, but uh, it was just uh, he big, got away with it. Emotional, right, emotional guys, blow up. I mean, finally, yeah. remember I told you one of the uh, one of the props last uh, uh, Friday, and whoever had that prop, they won. Taylor Swift and Kelsey they kissed each other on the field after the game. Yep, I, that was that was an Wait, easy. Bet. That was a prop bet. That that's that's bet. like easy money. That, that's prop all, bet. that only would not have happened if the Chiefs lost. Obviously, if the Chiefs lost, then that would not have that would not have happened. So it happened. All right, guys. Hey, thank you always for your time. You are appreciated. Uh, are you gonna be on tomorrow? Because tomorrow's Mardi Gras day. Yeah, yes, yes, we will very much be on. Yep. Okay, so we'll party tomorrow then. Have a safe afternoon, guys. And as always, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on. Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned in hour number two. A lot more on Super Bowl 58, including more of your phone calls. We'll digest everything that happened in the game. Also, some of the prop bets we'll go back over and that sort of thing. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday afternoon. As we get set to go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, if you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up here in hour number two. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. You know, I was a little bit disappointed last night. That was the most boring Super Bowl I've ever watched. But, uh, you know, it had its moments when they tied it up and everything, went in overtime. That was kind of exciting. And, and as the game went on and, you know, one coach didn't realize he had to win the game. He, he thought that they'd still be playing or whatnot, had confused the rules for the regular season or whatever. But, you know, the thing that really disturbed me when uh, Travis Kelsey – ran up there and bumped Andy Reid like he did. I mean, you don't do that sort of stuff. I mean, you thinking about would have jumped in Tom Landry's face or would have jumped in Al Davis' face or Vince Lombardi's face. You don't do that. That's just disrespect. If he wanted the ball, he'd just walk up there and put his hands around his shoulder and whisper in his ear, give me the ball and I'll perform or I'll give you all I got or, or whatever. You know, I'll be that bell cow for you. Just give it to me. But doing that, just disrespect. And I'm going to tell you, if I was the owner of that team uh, – It'd be a heavy fine on him, and he'd be running some gases for me. And if he didn't want to do that, he'd be gone. I can't, as an owner, I can't have that. You're on national TV, you got kids and everybody else watching, and you got somebody that running into a coach like that. It didn't take that. He couldn't, he couldn't walk up there and just ask the man to give him the ball. I give you all I got. Just let me have it. But to do that, uh, you know, I know y'all trying to make it look like it ain't all that or whatnot. And, you know, they ain't going to never tell the truth behind it. They're going to try to make it look good, but that just total disrespect, and I just thought that just, just don't uh, ain't no place in football myself. Now, everybody's got their own opinion, but, uh, you know, that's just what it is. Sure, and look, I, I do agree that it was, a, it was a bit much, okay? I, I do agree there. However, if Andy Reid did not have a problem with it, that's who I would defer to, and, and he knows Travis, obviously. He's coached him for years, and so if Andy Reid did not feel like it was over the top, you know, I'm not going to rush to say that that Kelsey should get some sort of punishment or or anything like that to it. I mean, that's that's a coach player relationship, and that if that's the nature of it, then look, I you know again, that's for them to decide on basically. So, look, I, I definitely thought it was a bit much when I saw it, and I I was I was interested to see how things would unfold from that point. Uh, and I guess all is well that ends well for Kansas City, and, and they're laughing it off after the fact. If they had lost, I would have been curious to see if they would be singing a different tune. But, I, I mean, again, I, I think that that's more deferred up to how Andy Reid felt about it as the head coach. And, uh, you know, he obviously deflected any sort of uh, any sort of disrespect or anything after the, after the game. 
Well, he did. But, you know, uh, a lot of times lead players uh, publicly act out or whatnot. I wouldn't have bet if the owner would stand up and put his foot down, it'd crack down on a lot of that nonsense that'd be going on. But you know, uh, you know, when you, uh, I think I mentioned this story to y'all before on the air, uh, when Vince Lombardi was coaching at Green Bay, uh, some sort of agent showed up saying he was representing so and so, looking for more money. And Vince Lombardi told him, "Hold on a minute, I got to go to the restroom." Went around the back and made a phone call and traded that player and came back and told him, well, you had to go and cross halfway across the ocean or wherever he at because he's no longer here. I trade him up to New York or wherever that particular place was at the time. So that's where you have to go. But, uh, you know, I guess that's what it is. But another thing I want to touch on, uh, you know, uh, signing day was last week, last Wednesday, right? Yes. And uh, just before signing day, uh, Grubbs, Ryan Grubbs stood up and, Grandstanding. Oh, I'll be here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm an offensive coordinator at the University of Alabama. Then over the weekend, he decided he'd take on off and go on back to uh, and go to the Seattle uh, uh, Seahawks or whatnot. Head on back to the state of Washington. Uh, you know. So when you got players that may have signed because of his offense, what he could do offensively as a coach and what he could do for their career or whatnot. Now, what does it leave those players? I mean, you know, that, that, that the truth's been scratched or, or they've been misled somewhat. And now the coach is gone all of a sudden. A couple of days after they signed, that he came still fresh on the paperwork. Oh, well, what does that leave a player? Uh, I, I, it leaves them with a, a chance to uh, enter the portal in the after the spring uh, spring practices. Well, how about the player that just signed out of high school and that was the only reason he did sign that might have went somewhere else besides, besides – all right. Might have been planning on going to Bama, but then saving leaves and decide I go somewhere else. But okay, since he's going to be the offensive coordinator, this is where I need to go ahead and be. Now this guy is gone. What does that leave at high school player? Uh, so I would say this with Grubb only having been there a couple weeks and with really most of the teams. I mean, yes, Ryan Williams is somebody that did sign after he uh, was hired. I mean, I, I think that you can still, and it's up to the team, you can ask out of letter intent. It doesn't mean it'll be granted. Um, I, I'm not sure if you're eligible. If you go ahead and enroll, then I think that you would be eligible to hit the portal and whenever the uh, portal first opened. I, I could be wrong about that. So it would still uh, be a portal decision. Um, I, I agree, though, that uh, it obviously was not a, a good situation. Uh, I, 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 there's so many things that have become cutthroat about uh, college athletics and college football. Um, it, it honestly doesn't surprise me. It doesn't make it uh, not alarming. But, uh, I, 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 again, I would love to say that this, would just, this is the only case that this has ever happened or whatever happened. But that's how these programs and how these coaches and, and how they try to operate now. Like they're, It's a fight for leverage between players and coaches and NIL and Portal. It's, just, it's, it's leveraging and leveraging and leveraging. And, and so – Obviously, they wanted to keep whatever they could on offense. They'd already lost a few players, obviously, on offense because of Nick Saban's retirement, and so they they didn't want to lose anymore. And I again, I would love to just sit there and throw some stones and say they are the only ones that ever do that. But uh, the reality is, a lot of a lot of programs are, are thinking this way now. But we don't need to tell no lie because uh, what are people going to think uh, later on when you come calling recruiting the house? You got a parent that said, you know, uh, y'all told us lie here and done that. I don't. Uh, I don't care what you're offering. We just want to do what you would go somewhere else. Why not just be up front in the first place and then let somebody decide whether they want to come down there or not? You know what I mean? Because, again, I mean, it's too 
Look, that that is too moral for what's going on on in college athletics. That is, I, I I would love for it to work that way, but unfortunately, everything again. I, I hate to seem like a cynic, but the deeper you dive into uh, how you get football players and how these coaches operate and that sort of thing, a lot of it's just going to kind of be uh, alarming, uh, honestly. And I, I wish that they would tell them the truth. But and that's why the few that do would very much stick out to players and, and, and their families and they would certainly appreciate that. But all the time you, you, you you've made promises even back before NIL, you made promises like, Oh yeah, you know, you'll you will be playing by your sophomore sophomore year and you'll be a star by your junior year and this, that and the other thing. And in reality you can't really promise these players that because they still have to work and earn their way up to depth chart and all that. So really we've been making promises that we may or may not can, uh, can keep. Since the beginning of time, they're, now they're just becoming even higher stakes. I shouldn't minimize it into just they're becoming higher stakes because you're involving money and you're involving uh, more coach movement and that sort of thing. But also the the other side of it is the player has never been able to move as easy before. In the past, you would have to sit out a year and you'd or you have to be a grad transfer and that sort of thing. Well, now everyone does get more freedom of movement, so it's kind of just going to where. Uh, it, it just every side is trying to out-leverage the other, it feels like. Yeah, and then you get upset when the player wants to uh, transfer and move across halfway across the ocean two or three times, and everybody wants to stop him and, and get all upset, and he got no loyalty and commitment and all that kind of stuff. I, I tell you, you know, it's just something else. But, uh, you know, I, I tell you, uh, over the weekend I was glad to see those LSU Lady Tigers uh, – uh, beat Alabama like they did. I tell you, I certainly enjoyed every minute of it. Angel Reese and her crew certainly got it going on. We're going to see what they're going to do in the tournament or whatnot. And I think they got a rematch with Auburn coming up pretty soon, right? Uh, I'll have to double-check that. But, uh, but yeah, I know LSU did win yesterday. Uh, you know, they'd fallen a little bit in the rankings there. They've, had, they've suffered a few more losses. But, yeah, they've got Auburn not this Thursday but next Thursday in, in Baton Rouge. Yep. That should be a barn burner when they get out there. But I tell you, it's just exciting to see these women, young women make that money like they're making and all the opportunities that are before them from a financial standpoint. I, I tell you, it's just something to see. It's really made uh, women's basketball so exciting because, I mean, you know, until South Carolina had won a few years ago, I mean, I wasn't even watching women's basketball. I mean, you know, I might uh, flip through the channels and watch a minute or so, then keep on flipping. That's just something I didn't do uh, was sit there and watch women's basketball. And, and now I'm finding myself watching a whole lot of that versus the men's basketball, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, I, I know women's basketball is growing, uh, and, and South Carolina has certainly been a part of that. I know uh, the, the end of Geno, I, I guess he's still coaching, but it's still not uh, not prime UConn right now, but I think UConn maybe started it a little bit, South Carolina, LSU, and then, then you're getting some of these individual star players like uh, a Caitlin Clark or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I know it is growing for sure, and uh, the, the popularity there, and uh, I, I think it will I think it should keep keep growing. I got one other thing, and I thought this was so funny. I mean, it put a little levity in my day. Bo Jackson won a lawsuit against a family member for over $20 million, and I highly doubt if the family member that he won his money against even have $2 they can rub together right now. So, I mean, how crazy is that for a jury to be in a courtroom to do something so stupid like that, and the people don't even have the income for that? What, what does that prove to anybody? Well, I, I, I don't know the, the particulars of the case. I don't know if, if one of you guys... He was trying to shake him down for money, and he was going to... Uh, 
release some kind of information that will leave them in a, in a negative light or whatnot. An extortion case or something, something yeah, like that? Yeah, extortion, but I mean, you shake, for just for slaying, shake down, trying to shake him down, but extortion, a blackmail uh, for more uh, uh, terms for people who want to be educated or whatnot, but basically just trying to shake the man down for money. You know, and he's going to release some kind of whatever, I don't know if it was a video or some kind of evidence or some whatever they had that leave him looking very negative in the public eye, which we never seen of uh, Bo Jackson. Uh, and uh, so he uh, went ahead and went to court with that thing or whatnot, and, and he was awarded the, uh, the decision and the verdict there as a winner there. Or whatever you want to, he got the uh, judge sure. or whatnot. Well, I mean, look, and, I, uh, even if those, even if that family or those people don't have the money, you still have to commit – I mean, you still have to – Put down something that is uh, yeah. that is true to the value of what could have occurred. Um, but it's just amazing. It's amazing how his own relatives uh-huh. were the ones that was trying to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I, twenty million. You and I are not, not going to have that in all likelihood. And and but hold and, on just a minute. Sure. Uh, speak for yourself. Don't speak for me now. You speak okay. for yourself. What okay. You okay. Well, hey, may, maybe don't you include my name. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you got a lot of cheese. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, uh, but, you know, I think that, uh, no matter the, the, the family situation or, or that sort of thing, again, you, if you've caused a damage, it doesn't, it's not relative to how much one side has, it's relative to, uh, how you feel it. I mean, it would impact, uh, in, in that case, Bo Jackson, the defendant. Um, so, you know, it's not, you, you don't really penalize based off what one person has or has not. That's why. Someone uh, does something, you know. Someone murders somebody that's seventy years old. You don't say, "Oh, you know, ten years." You say, "No, it's still whatever penalty it would be, no matter how much they'd serve and that sort of thing." Well, I appreciate the time, gentlemen. I'll be talking to y'all later in the week, and uh, y'all have a good one. You too, Anthony. Appreciate that phone call. That's Anthony calling from Auburn on our orthopedic clinic phone line. I I, I want to go back, Tom, to to the uh, you know the the coach leaving. Uh, Ryan Grubb leaving. It, it's right. not a new thing. I mean, no. it's, it's not a new thing. I mean, and, and, you know, it's not the same situation. I, I don't want to make it sound like it's the same situation, but, you know, Nick Saban, when he first went to Bama, he told, he was, you know, he told a lie. He said, I'm not going to be the head coach at Alabama. And yeah. he was the head coach at Alabama. And I know it's a totally different situation, but, you know, it, it's, you, when you, when this, Ryan, you mentioned it, when it, this is, when college football is the most cutthroated as it is, and there are quite literally billions of dollars on the line every single football season on if, if you win a title or not, you can't go out there and tell a five star, hey, I may not be here tomorrow. Right. Don't come here. You know, you, 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 you could come here, but I may not be here tomorrow. You're, you're going out there and you're recruiting like you're going to be there for the rest of your life. And then when a job opportunity comes along, you take that opportunity. Yeah. It- there is encouraged lying in some instances uh, with the way uh, athletics work. Um, you're kind of forced into it at times based off the question that is asked. I mean, we talked about this, uh, gosh, I, I think it was uh, back in the fall, I guess, and some of it was uh, Auburn roster related um, when Hugh Freeze was uh, talking about uh, the shortcomings of the roster and that sort of thing and the talent gap and um, look, you, you certainly uh, have two options. You can either, oh, no, you know, we just got to coach them better and blah, blah, blah. And that's probably what people want to hear more so. And that's usually the course of action that, that coaches take. Oh, it's not the roster. You know, we can, we can figure this out. Well, 
that's also kind of objectively not true when you have a roster that anyone can see put together as not being as good as the, the premier teams in the league because of recent recruiting classes and that sort of thing. So that inherently, look, it might be a little white lie, but it's not necessarily the whole truth if you're saying, oh, yeah, no, we, we, we're we right there. We're right there. It's it's uh, it's not about talent. Well, I mean, <laughs> sometimes it is, and, and sometimes the coaches – kind of deflect that blame and, and they take it on themselves they don't uh let the players feel that but sometimes also you have to be honest and say yep yeah, been 20th 15th 30th etc in recruiting it's not the same as playing teams that have been first second and third and, and so uh sometimes it's just the nature of it uh i don't and i i encourage to be as truthful and possible as possible in these situations but uh, to then uh, act like other schools are doing it perfectly or never telling a lie to these kids or anything like that. Um, unfortunately, it's just not it's not what's going on, and there's not a whole lot uh, one can do about it. It would have to be everyone getting together and deciding to uh, all be on the same page, which, of course, they're never, never going to do. So uh, th- that kind of thing will continue, but as we, we talked about with Anthony there, uh, the players now have more options than ever before on on that side of things. So, um, if if you're you would you would be encouraged to be more truthful up front because then a player could just simply leave. If you're promised them a bunch of things, whether it's nil or whether it's playing time, which is more traditional, uh, or that I'm going to be there no matter what, that sort of thing. Well, they all get one free transfer period. And in a lot of cases, there's some ways to get second transfers. So uh, that that is why it is an attempt to balance the scales uh, in that in that form and fashion. It doesn't mean everyone still now tells the truth. Plenty still lie, but then that's up to the player to decide uh, if if they want to push through it, if the lie was detrimental, that sort of thing. So, uh, I good segment on lying there. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, that is uh, that is unfortunately pretty common uh, in college athletics. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one at triple eight nine tiger nine. Next up on the orthopedic clinic phone line, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl is with us. Daryl, how are you today? Hey, Daryl. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I'm just reflecting on some of uh, the previous comments from the. Uh, Comments from Tony from Tuskegee. Um, Anthony, Anthony. Anthony, excuse me. Well, you know, uh, it doesn't matter the motivation of Bo Jackson responding to allegations. The biggest thing, it doesn't matter who, how much money the family has or their uh, relations, but the thing is, is you see so much stuff going on social media. Uh, accusing people of uh, false things, and uh, it's just a matter of principle. You know, and uh, I agree with him bringing the suit, you know. Obviously, he doesn't need the money, you know, or I'm sure he doesn't, uh, nor does it matter whether the family has money, you know, but it will discourage people uh, that know um, sports uh, legends or people of any kind of status uh, from making baseless claims and uh, just not making it just 
discourages a lot of stuff I think is going on in the world. You know, in general, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But uh, that's just my thoughts on the matter. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we're 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 very much in agreement there. That uh, again, I'm no legal expert, but if if you say, oh, I only have five dollars that they could sue me for, I'm going to make whatever accusation I want to make. Uh, then it seems like not much to lose there, right? So, uh, you know, I think that you have to punish no ma- I mean, the, the same way no matter who it is. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if that person's ever going to have $20 million. Uh, you make sure if they find a way, you know, if that's the value and damage they've caused in someone's life, that's what they're going to owe. And if they're paying it, they've, they're going to have to pay it for what uh, they've done. I, you know, they... I I forget the number, and I'm sure someone out there knows it, but uh, when they gave the fine to Harvey Updike, we all knew that loser was not going to pay all that money to Auburn University uh, that he owed for for poisoning Tumor's Oaks. We we knew very well that that Harvey Updike was never going to come up with that. Uh, But it didn't matter because that's the damage he caused, and you're going to try to uh, get whatever you can uh, for that, because that's the, the value that that it was worth. So, uh, I think we're very much, uh, very much on the same page there. Okay, and actually, that thought occurred to me. I just couldn't recall his name. You know, it's yep. you know, an Alabama fan that uh, did a lot of damage to trees. Doesn't matter which tree it was, but of Auburn significance. And of course, you know, he would never have the money. And then I, I don't even know if he's still alive. No, but, he is I not. Mean, he he passed away a couple of years ago. Yep. You know, and then he was after that. He was in trouble for I don't know what it was. Uh, maybe alcohol related offenses or or, or 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 something. I don't know. You know, but you know, it, it's the same thing. You know, it doesn't matter what somebody has material wealth to uh, comply with a court agreement, but just put it out there, you know, I don't care who you are, you know, you just can't degrade somebody's reputation just because you might have some financial gain, or it may not be finances, it may be just some sort of personal thing. So, and, uh, that's all I got to say sure. about that. Well, as we, would say it. <laughs> well, we appreciate the phone call today, Daryl. All right, now I appreciate you receiving my call. Absolutely. That is Daryl from Auburn joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Yeah, again, the I, I looked it up here. So, yeah, Updike was uh, owed more than $800,000 uh, when, when he died in, in 20, uh, what, 2020, I believe, at uh, age 71. So uh, he had paid just $8,100 of the nearly $800,000 uh, that he owed in restitution. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's principle more than what you're actually going to get uh, product wise sometimes, uh, but uh, that would kind of line up there with the with the Bo Jackson ruling, I, I would think. We're going to take our first time out of the show today. If you want to give us a call, three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. I should say first time out of the second hour. When we come back, we'll get to some thoughts on Super Bowl fifty eight. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine.
We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday edition of the show. Again, reminder, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll have our best and worst of the weekend, as we do each and every Monday. But for now, uh, let's talk a little bit about Super Bowl 58. We've brought it up a couple times with our callers. And guys, I'll just open the floor to you. Uh, your initial thoughts after what you saw last night. All right, so... It, I don't understand people saying that that was a boring game. I thought it was a very entertaining game, uh, especially the 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 second half of that game was highly entertaining. Uh, it was kind of a tell of two halves. The the first half was obviously a a pure defensive showdown. You just didn't need. I mean, at that point, you didn't know who was going to score. Uh, it just felt like it was going to be super low scoring, and then all of a sudden, as you know the. As the second half got going, uh, neither team's offense could get stopped, and then of course you you it, it comes right down into the wire in regulation, and then you go to overtime, and it comes right down to the wire in overtime. Like I, I don't understand how people think that was a boring Super Bowl. I, I thought it was an incredible Super Bowl by two really good teams. I mean that you can't ask for more from a Super Bowl than what you got out of that. In fact, you you got some free football. And you got a lot of free football. A whole quarter's worth. You got a whole quarter's worth of, of extra football. And, um, I mean, it, it, it was clutch play after clutch play. I mean, it, it, you know, crucial plays on, on the defensive side of things, crucial plays on the offensive side of things, crucial play on special team side of things with a blocked extra point um, and a punt that bounces off a guy's leg. And that one right there was the deterrent. I think San Francisco wins that game. If if they filled that punt, man, you want to talk about bringing back shades of the Iron Bowl. If you just filled the punt. Uh, and, granted, he didn't drop. He didn't muff that one like Auburn did. I mean, it was a guy that wasn't even looking at the ball and it hits, it hits his leg. You know, unfortunate for them. But I think San Francisco wins that game if it doesn't bounce off his leg. So, there's that, you know, entertaining. The other thing I, I – and I know people – I hope people aren't really being serious about this and they're just like internet trolling or whatever. But I am so tired of all of this uh, scripted. Oh, it's all scripted. It was scripted all along for the Chiefs to win so that they could have the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey thing. And it's script. this is scripted. And I was like, do you, re- do you really think that or are you just being a butthead? I I personally I was jokingly saying about it being scripted because I kept saying right there in overtime I'm like Travis Kelsey is going to score the game winning touchdown and that will show you that that this whole thing is scripted because there's no way that you write that ending without it being scripted he didn't he almost did but he didn't 
but I, I, I was saying it as a joke. I hope people are actually joking and that people don't actually think that this is like wrestling, that, that it's all scripted out and, and they're just kind of play acting through a game because that's total BS if, <laughs> if you think that. Um, I thought it was a great game. Uh, it was entertaining, uh, entertaining right down to the end. Uh, yeah. And then the halftime show was good. Halftime show was good. Uh, I, I think uh, I, I think Little Wayne and Ludacris saved it. Uh, it was Little John, uh, yeah. Little John, Little Wayne, Little John, Little something, Little Wayne. Um, I it was it was good up until that, but then it like got epic, and so that was cool. Reba McIntyre did a great job with the national anthem. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was a very entertaining game. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, it was very entertaining. Uh, it was um, I, I thought yeah I've I said it around the office, and this is in no way a uh, ha ha ha. You know, I'm I'm sliding it because I like this. I thought it was very Big Ten football up until the last little bit, and I, that's not a that's not a bad thing. I, I know people are like ha oh, ha Big Ten football. Huh? It's not a bad thing. It I, I thought it was a very I thought it was entertaining football game. Uh, and then at the, the very end, it started to pick up, and you got the urgency going, and, and the, the Chiefs kind of turned it on a little bit. And so it was uh, – I, I thought it was a very, very fun football game. Um, Patrick Mahomes still continues to be uh, one of the great quarterbacks that we've seen, especially of this generation. Uh, he continues to uh, be a, a really uh, a star in, in the league and continues to be able to power his teams to victory. Uh, I thought it was cool that we saw two record-breaking field goals in the same game. Yeah, you had the fifty-five one early from San Francisco, and then fifty-seven one from Harrison Butker uh, late, uh, a little bit later. So you you had two uh, two records broken in the same football of the same stat. It was uh, I don't know how often that happens, uh, but it is uh, it, it was a fun uh, a fun football game. The commercials were good this year. Some years the commercials can be duds. Uh, but this year, I think we had a, a good mix. Um, I still not 100% sure what a Timu is, uh, but they had about 15 commercials during that game, and it was the same one. Uh, and so it was uh, that, that was uh, the commercials were good. Um, the halftime show, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the halftime show. Uh, and, and yeah, and you know, it was, uh, it was a, a very fun evening. I, you know, I'm, I'm married to a Swifty. I did not watch the game with her last night though, but I don't think, you know, just from a neutral perspective, I don't think Taylor Swift was shown that much, um, o- over the top. I know a lot of people complained all season. Oh, she was shown so much. I don't, she wasn't shown until l- the first time was like late in the first quarter. Maybe, maybe it was even an early second quarter. Uh, when when she got first shown on on the screen outside of I think she got shown in the during God Bless America or America the Beautiful pregame, uh, but then it you know it, they went a while without showing. So I thought they they the broadcast managed that well where they got a couple shots of her in, but it wasn't over the top. Uh, and then yeah, the the final drive of the of the game was just. It was hectic, you know. It was uh, nobody understood why there was no timeouts called. Yeah. Um. And you know, it, it ended up, you know, being, you know, even if the clock had ex- was going to expire and that was it, that they ended up, they them. they got it off and they got the touchdown within that time period. So yeah. it, it it was, it was a a, a weird fun uh, ending to the football game. Uh. And I'm I'm glad. 
I, I know that you know you, you look back at this year and they all throughout the year you could say oh this team's ticketed there this team's ticketed there I'm glad we always we we seem to try to always get at least uh it or it, we don't try but it, it it feels like we always get at least one new team in the Super Bowl every single year that wasn't in the year before and I love that I I it's it you know you just some of these in some years when you get like back to back this team versus this team in the in the championship game throughout professional sports that can get a little old. Uh, I, I love to see, you know, we, we got the rematch. And I'll tell you what, Kyle Shanahan just can't win that Super Bowl, can he? Yeah. It, it, but the thing is, they – they well, offensively, they did everything they could to possibly win that one. I, you know, and that's what the thing you got to – everybody's going to look at Brock Purdy and talk about Brock Purdy and, and how great he plays. But, you know, can the Mr. Irrelevant – win the big game or whatever it's like I, he didn't do anything to lose that game i i thought he played great uh, it just it got to in that second half san francisco's defense just could not stop kansas city and when in that overtime period when kc was able to hold them to the field goal uh and get the ball i don't think that anybody had a doubt that kc was about to drive down the field and and win that game uh whether you think it was scripted or not scripted, I, I mean, I fully believed that KC was about to go right down the field and, and, and score and because that's just what they had been doing in the entire second half of that game. So I thought that really San Francisco – look, I, I don't think Purdy was great. I thought he was okay. I think that Spagnola – call a couple of timely blitzes that San Francisco did not have the right play to answer with. They did not have a hot route. They did not have something quick. And Purdy had to get rid of it. Maybe he misidentified where the blitz was coming from. They didn't get the protection right or something. But nevertheless, the blitz got to them and it disrupted the play entirely and couldn't couldn't figure it out. But everyone's kind of – and look, they are the Super Bowl winners, so I guess you start with winners. But I will mention that – I felt before Kansas City could win it, I felt that San Francisco had lost it. Um, and these things we get in these conversations about, was it won or lost when there's blown leads and that sort of thing. And the, the truth really is is that both, both teams factored in. But for me, San Francisco lost this game with the opportunities they did not cash in much earlier in the game. So I could go back to the very first possession when they fumbled. Now, Kansas City also fumbled down inside the red zone. So you can go one for one there if you want to. That's fine. But for me, the key sequence was, okay, coming out of half, it's 10-3 San Francisco. The, the, the Chiefs finally scored last drive of the half. They intercept Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. They get the ball at the Kansas City 46-47 yard line. If you get one first down, you are in field goal range. And they did not get one first down. You have to score three points on a 47-yard field, at least. And so then, look, they make up for it. They they hold them. They then then force a punt. And, okay, there's still the momentum, still even no one has momentum. And then that's when uh, Kansas City has another field goal drive. Okay, it's 10-6, but you even survived it. They have still not been in the end zone, and we're getting late in the third quarter. And then you stop Kansas City again. Again, Kansas City went interception, punt, field goal, and then punt. 
to start the second half. So San Francisco's defense has still been awesome the whole time, yet San Francisco's offense doing nothing. They had three straight three and outs to start the second half. And then that's when the punt hits the foot. Uh, and, and it's a fumble, and Kansas City gets it. First play. It, it was kind of symbolic. The dam broke. It was over. At that point, San Francisco was not going to stop Kansas City again. They did hold them to a couple more field goals, but Kansas City scored every possession they had the ball from that moment forward. It was like the dam breaking because to that point, Kansas City had had, I think, like eight possessions in the game, and they had six points. And then from that moment on, they scored every other possession. So that sequence, the, the, the 10 minutes of third quarter where San Francisco has first and 10 at like the Chief 46 after a very rare Patrick Mahomes mistake, they get nothing. And then they go three and out two more times, and then they muff fumble the punt. That's what, to me, enabled the ability for Kansas City to go win it. Now, also, it was a microcosm for Kansas City season. Their offense was not the same this year as it's been the last the, the first six years of this Mahomes thing. It was their defense winning them a lot of games. If they had the defense that they've had in any other year. They, they would have lost too because San Francisco would have been able to stretch the lead. They would have been able to get to a point where they get up three scores or something like that, and with Kansas City's offense being in dysfunction mode, they wouldn't have gotten out of that. But no, Kansas City's defense was able to hold into everything that San Francisco was doing, and they were able to – uh, ultimately keep the score down. Yeah. So I very much feel that at first San Francisco lost it because they had an opportunity at any point to get more comfort in their lead. They even had one last shot. Third and four, uh, Chiefs 35-ish, 36-ish, something like that, two-minute warning, blitz, incomplete pass. If, if that's complete, if they can get five yards and get the first down, then – they would have been able to get to the point where they could run the clock down to about 20, 30 seconds, something like that, because the Chiefs were down the two timeouts. They would have gotten it. Uh, yeah, they would have gotten it down about 20 or 30 seconds. Then that, with no timeouts, that would not have been enough time uh, in all likelihood. They could have kicked the field goal in one, or they could have gotten another first down, and really the game would have ended on the foot of Jake Moody. So they had every opportunity their offense did to win that game for them at every opportunity they failed. And so to me, that was on San Francisco not being able to accomplish what they needed to accomplish. Uh, And then once their offense had failed, that's when Patrick Mahomes got going. And that's when Patrick Mahomes does what he has done in the six or seven year career uh, that he's had and, and almost at every point of his career thus far. And that's when he got it going to Kelsey. Kelsey had nothing going in the first half. He had one catch for one yard. He ends up with like nine for 90 in the game. So that's all second half and overtime. And they find McCole Harmon there at the end. And they unlocked it. But I really thought that, uh, that the 49ers had such a problematic middle of that game offensively that that's kind of what unlocked it. Um, I think for Shanahan... So, Brooks, you mentioned it. Blows, he's the offensive coordinator where the Falcons have the, the biggest blown lead in, in, in Super Bowl history. 
he was the coach of the 2019 49ers team that blew a 10 point I think fourth quarter lead I think they got it I think it was still 10 early fourth at least in the second half and then they of course blow this now 10 nothing in the first half I don't know if that's I mean I know we're talking 10 point blown leads but first half lead a little different than late second half lead um but this guy this to me culminates Brooks the uh, the postseason of snake bit the postseason of will they ever do it first it was Dallas same old Dallas they always lose in the playoffs they've been in the playoffs almost every year it feels like they go nowhere then it was Buffalo uh, when's it going to be Josh Allen's time? When's it going to be Buffalo's time? They finally get a home game. No. Then it's time for Lamar Jackson to right postseason wrongs and have a big one in the postseason. Here's why an MVP, etc. And and none of it. Uh, and, and then for, fourth and finally Shanahan, great coach, gets the 49ers with average quarterback play, very deep every year. And they can't fin- just can't quite finish. They need one more drive. They need one more play, and they can't quite finish it. So to me, this was kind of a postseason of almost for all the teams that we've been talking about for either as short as a five or six year span, or as long as if you're the Cowboys back in the mid '90s when they last won. When's the next time, or when's the first time you're going to get over this proverbial hill? And in the end, it was more of Patrick Mahomes, more of a budding dynasty that uh, might one day rival or even exceed New England one day. Um, and it just was a lot of missed opportunities from teams that felt like they had the best chance they ever had, and yet none of them were able to to get uh, get through. And, you know, you can't take those opportunities for granted either because some teams don't get back there that they, they have those opportunities to get there and they, they don't get back. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that we – you know, you, you never know what next year is going to uh, hold, but, you know, it, it really – you know, the, the Eagles, this, this Eagles team from this year felt like this was uh, a chance for them to get there this yeah. year, and it kind of fell apart at the end. I know they won the Super Bowl not too too long ago, but that was that was a different head coach. That was a different that was a different team. You had Nick Foles at quarterback. This this Jalen Hurts led team with Nick Sirianni at, as the head coach. They got there last year, lost, and it felt like oh you know that was you know fine. We took our lumps last year. We we can get there back this year. No, it's for several years. It's felt like this has been it's been the the Bills. They're like oh Super Bowl or bust this year. Super Bowl or bust. Well, it's been bust. Uh, is what it what it's been for the the Bills in you know, all those many years in the '90s when they they did the same thing where it, but at least they made the Super Bowl uh, in, in those years. It's just it you know you, you never know when uh when that last time you could be going to the Super Bowl is in your career and, and so you got to take advantage of it. I tell you what, Chiefs have been taking advantage of it. They've uh they've made the Super Bowl. They've won three of them now uh, with this current Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes duo uh, leading the way. And so they've uh, they've 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 still got some work to do to get to that Patriots level, but they are on their way. If they continue to win, doesn't have to be. They don't even have to do the three peat next year. They don't have to do right. the three peat, but they can if they can win a few more. They're they're on that level and on their way to it. Well, and look too, and we're about out of time for this first hour, and then we you know we'll get a phone call to start the the, the third hour uh, in, in just a moment. But um, 
you know, we'll we'll try to hit on this if not today, tomorrow, but as much as I don't want to rush to the prematures, like you do have to at least start to project out a legacy question with not only Mahomes but with Kansas City. And the startling fact is he's twenty eight years old. So I'm not really keen on, you know, comparing him to Brady yet because he's twenty eight. He is in theory still under he's not even the back nine. He's still working the front nine, front half of his career. But that's also why the projections can be so gaudy because if he can even get close to the longevity of Brady, Brady's probably still a unicorn that. I don't think anyone it's not it's kind of bold to say you're gonna be forty five and still playing uh, at any sort of high level. But let's just say it's forty. Well then that's twelve more years. And at the rate they're going, I mean, that's a startling thing to think about. So uh, we'll get into some of that, again, if not in the third hour, certainly at some point this week. We'll get more to Andy Reid and Kansas City and more Super Bowl things, some of the prop bets that were close, a lot more to get to in that. But for now, we are out of time for hour number two. Stay tuned. More sports call coming after this, including more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Sports call returns after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. We appreciate you for listening, however you may be listening on this Monday. As we start hour number three of the show, let's head back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Up first in hour number three. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you today? What's up, Ryan? What's up, Brooks? What's up? What's up, man? Tom. Um, What's up? Let me guess. You didn't have a trivia question for me, right? She does have a trivia question for you. Oh, she does have one for me. <laughs> okay, first I want to talk about the Florida game and the Sac County game, then I'll do the trivia. All right. Okay, so first I'll start with uh, all three of you guys first. What what went wrong when we played against Florida? Were we not ready to play against Florida? And how can we improve playing against Sac County? Yeah, so I think first, I think there was an element of surprise in, in how Auburn opened the game. I think that they were coming off that emotional high against Alabama, and they were uh, not as as into it as they needed to be from the jump. Uh, and then I think also they just flat out shot the ball poorly. I mean, they were uh, one of 12 from three in the first half. That's just awful. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They did not shoot well from the foul line either. 
Uh, some other areas of the game they were pretty even with, especially in the rebounding area and that sort of thing, points in the paint and second chance points. But they, uh, they they did turn the ball over a little bit. And so, again, I think it just started with getting a little bit surprised by getting punched in the mouth, and then they just never shot well enough to get back into it. But how can we improve? Is there a chance that we can probably beat South Carolina and then beat Kentucky? Oh, yeah. I mean, going back to home, uh, going to Neville Arena is going to be huge for Auburn. I'm always going to love Auburn's chances at home. And I don't think that this game means necessarily that there's something that's that's big time wrong with this team. I, I really honestly would expect them to win both games. They're both really good teams. South Carolina has been awesome this year, and Kentucky uh, still has a lot of offensive firepower. But I think that with Auburn's home environment and how they do play in Neville Arena, I would be disappointed if they didn't win both these games. Well, uh... Is there? Oh, I'll go to Brooke and Brooke and Tom answer this one. Is there a way that Auburn can be in first place? I know they got three losses, but is there a way that the family got to lose and um, to those you know tied with 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 Bama? Yeah, I I think that. Auburn is walking a fine line right now. I think they like that Tennessee also lost, but and I think they like that they can give South Carolina their third loss on Wednesday if they're able to win. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're looking at Alabama and you're looking at how many more times they might lose, and I don't think they're losing more than two more times. So I, I think Auburn, to be able to at least win a share of the SEC title, I think they have to go 14-4 and four in league play, which means they can only lose one more time. Uh, and, and I think, in my opinion, the most likely that, that Auburn will probably lose at Tennessee. So Auburn's got to be pretty much perfect outside of that. It is a pretty big ask overall. Uh, it's not impossible, but I, I think that if they get more than four losses, they're probably out of it. Burton, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree with everything Ryan said right there. No, I'm I'm the same way. I, I think Auburn can very – I'm not going to say easily win those games, but, I mean, at home – Auburn should be able to win those. And do you guys think Auburn can beat Georgia at Georgia and beat Missouri and Missouri? And then I, 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 I think Auburn can absolutely beat Missouri. Missouri is terrible. They're, they're really, really bad. So Auburn could absolutely win that one. The The game at Georgia is going to be tough. The, Georgia is they're, – they're, they're pretty good this year. They've, they've had some losses, but they're pretty good, and that's going to be tough to win there. Yeah, I, I'm starting to feel better about Auburn's chances at Georgia. Personally, Georgia has lost five in a row now, and Georgia lost to Arkansas this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, I'm not discounting the fact that it is a road game, and those are always immensely difficult. But Georgia does not look like an NCAA tournament team to me anymore. They will get an opportunity at home against Florida this week, and then they'll get to play at Vandy. So Georgia will probably start to right the ship in time to play Auburn, but I do think Georgia has regressed a little bit back to the mean, so that one's very much in the air. Wait, I got a message for the guys that has a reach against LSU and Auburn. If it, if, like, uh, who was that called for the, the rematch for LSU against Auburn? Do you guys remember? Uh, who was uh, – I couldn't quite hear the question there. You cut out a little bit. The guy that called that had a, had a rematch between Auburn and LSU at LSU. Oh, you're talking about Anthony for the for women's basketball? Yeah. Auburn well, LSU, yeah. 
Anthony's not an Auburn fan. He's an Alabama fan. Well, Anthony, you need to fix over at Auburn, bro. Yep, and, that'll do it. Yep. And, and so, so, can we beat you guys in basketball? On our home court, we beat the women, we beat the men. So, all you got to do is just keep your mouth kind of quiet and don't say anything you mean about Auburn's women, because they're going to be LSU's women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he was being mean about it. It was just prediction, and uh, LSU is the better team, so we'll see. Well, that's what I got for him is booyah. Booyah. Okay, Tom, I'm ready for a trivia question. All right. So, uh, so now you got to understand, Michelle's an Alabama fan, all right? So, But she had an Iron Bowl trivia question for you. Okay. All right. Uh what was the first year the Iron Bowl was played at Bryant Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa? Is there a logo choices? <laughs> uh, I mean, I can give you some multiple choices. Um, we'll say, uh, let's see, let's go 1985, 87. 90 or 2000? I don't think it's not. I don't think it's in the 90s. I don't think it's in the 20s. I'm going with 1985. No, not that one. Uh, is it the second one? No. Okay, it has it has to be twenties. So I'm going in the. You said the third one was twenty what, thirteen. Uh, the third one I think was nineteen ninety. Okay. The last was two thousand. Okay, so I guess two wrong so far. Um, nineteen. It's not nineteen ninety. Or it could be nine. I'm going with nine or twenty. Well, so the the first time the Iron Bowl was played at Bryant Denny Stadium was in two thousand. Okay. Yep. Now that was not the first time it was played in Tuscaloosa. It was played in Tuscaloosa in eighteen ninety five and nineteen oh one, but the first time it was played in Bryant Denny Stadium was just in two thousand. So, not that long ago, they kept on playing in Birmingham up until 2000. Yeah, that 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 stadium was so old. They need to take her down and take it on there. I can't believe they still play the Birmingham Bowl over there. Yep. Played, played the first one here in Auburn in 1989, but they kept the, the home games for Bama and Birmingham until 2000. Yeah, I was still in, I was still in high school in 1989. So, right? Uh, you were cutting up there, Matt. We could we couldn't hear you exactly. I said, if the first game for 
was in play in 1998, I mean, 89, I was still in, in high school because I graduated high school in 1995. Okay. Does that, that, that sound right? Uh, let's see, 89, 89, you would have been in elementary school. I graduated in 95 also, so 89, we would have both been in elementary school. Oh, okay. Yeah, we would have gone to high school in 91. Yeah, I went to school at Sprayberry High School in Marietta. Okay. I was and at Shaw High School in Columbus, Georgia. I used to play softball in Columbus, Georgia. There you go. And Savannah, Georgia. And so, so. Yeah. Um, and so, so. Well, that was kind of a tricky trivia question. Well, yeah. hey, they you, you got one, though. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe she, maybe, hey, Tom, maybe she can give me an easier one next time. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Well, hey, have you guys heard from Sean or Wardown Steve got any more questions for me or, nope. you know? Yeah, Sean has not been calling and uh, Steve has uh, does not have any more questions for you right now. Does James? I uh, have not heard from James in a few days. Okay. Well, um, I can thank you, Anthony. To watch what she says, and because Auburn's women are going to be Hillish women in Baton Rouge, uh, I'm going to say Auburn's women are going to be Hillish who's women in Baton Rouge, and boo yeah, boo yeah. And so, hey, you guys want to do? You guys want to do the cheer? Yeah, real quickly, Matt, then we'll have to let you go. Five, four, three, two, one. War Eagle. Hey. Booyah. 123, two, two. Booyah. 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 All right. Well, hey. Hey, Tom. Yes, sir. Tell your girlfriend that I said, hey. And thank you for a trivia question. And give him something nice for Valentine's Day. <laughs> there Brooke, you go. All right. And Brooks, you get some for your wife for Valentine's Day. You're like two dozen roses. All right. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Hey, Ron, are you married? I'm I'm not. Are you? Hey, Brooks, are you and Tommy find uh, Ryan a girl? All right. Me, me and Tom will put our heads together and, and, and get Ryan set up. But if you guys talk to Cam and stuff, uh, have you guys talked to him? I said, hey, have you guys talked to my man, man Devon Reed, lately? Uh, not since he moved down to Orlando. The next time he calls, tell him I said, hey, and I wish he'd stay at Auburn and stuff for that. But you guys, you guys need to get uh, you guys need to get Bo Jackson on the uh We'll see what we can do. All right, Warrior, guys. Warrior, Matt. Appreciate the phone call. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We need to take another timeout. We're getting a little bit closer to best and worst of the weekend. A few more Super Bowl thoughts coming up. That's ahead next on this Monday edition of Sports Call.
Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday. Coming up in just a few minutes, best and worst of the weekend. But for now, I want to talk a little bit more about the Super Bowl as the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers 25-22. Three Super Bowls for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs squad. We've already heard in the days uh, immediately following Andy Reid already has told Ian Rappaport coming back. Travis Kelsey certainly sounded like a man that's coming back. I think they're trying to try very hard for the history part of it next year. There was some speculation, including from myself, that maybe the clock was ticking on both of them. Uh, Kelsey entering his mid-30s, having one of his, look, still 800 yards for a tight end, still a very good season. But for him, uh, one of his worst seasons or least productive seasons in the NFL – Obviously, was great in the postseason. Then Andy Reid's been getting up there and been wondering about how much longer he'll do it. But both of those guys are already saying that they're going to come back for next year. I did want to at least refer to a few of the over unders because we did on Friday's show. We did some over unders. We did some prop bets, that sort of thing, and just wanted to go over how a few of those ended up. Of course, you know the anthem is always one that people talk about. Brooks, you and I did not get a timer on it. Mm-mm. We were a little concerned for the over. Uh, it felt like she was belting it out pretty quickly. It still she, hit over. She didn't over sit though. on any notes. No, and until the very end she did. She drug out the last last lyric or two. Uh, but still, I think it was a minute 40 uh, or a minute minute 30 or something like that. No, a minute 40, and so it went over. It was like 100 seconds, and the overrunner was like 90. So that went over. Uh, Steve referred to it. It depended on where you looked. The over-under on the game was – we had it as 47.5. I saw someone say it closed at 46.5, so maybe it depended on the sports book. But uh, you, you you had it right there. 25-22 is 47, so that's a very very important if the over-under was either 46.5 or 47.5. And, and, of course, we wouldn't have gotten there if we did not get to overtime. Even if the Chiefs had gone down and scored the touchdown in regulation, we wouldn't. I got in there. Um, I was surprised Kittle, not a factor at all. He yeah. had an over-under yardage of only 48.5. He wasn't close. I think he had two catches for like five yards or something like that. Kelsey went over his 70.5 total. He was around 90, 92, somewhere there. Longest field goal, the over-under was 40.5. Uh, I think we did it. Uh, both teams, as a matter of fact, went over that. Um, there was a score in the last two minutes. That was a... Yes or no type of question. Uh, will there be a missed extra point? We didn't even cover this on the show on Friday. There was a very important missed extra point. Or block. Uh, but, yeah. but sure. But uh, you know, yeah, missed. Not, not converted. Way. Color of Gatorade bath? Purple. Uh, purple. Uh, we had the water clear or orange versus any other color. So any other color there. I know this was shock. You position of Super Bowl MVP was the quarterback. It, it often is. 
And so Mahomes got that. You know, Tom, for just a, just a little while in that first half, I know he fumbled, but as the 49ers were still not doing a lot, and then they had the Juwan Jennings to Christian McCaffrey touchdown pass, I was I was sniffing around a running back Super Bowl MVP just for a little while. I was, was I was like, way. we are on pace for this. And then obviously they didn't even even end up winning the game. But so that's why we still had another quarterback as Super Bowl MVP. And uh yeah, it uh there was definitely some close ones. Will there be a score in the first six fifty nine of the game? Uh we, we, we took a little while to get off uh, off the uh, or on the board because of that fumble, we were yeah. pounding towards it with with forty nine ers going right down the field, but then the fumble negated that. Uh, good stuff. And I, again, I, I was with you, Tom. I understand it was a lot of punts in the middle part of the game, I, but uh, you know, not every game has to be forty five, forty two. And if you yeah. watch the NFL, like an average NFL game ends in the mid twenties. Like that's. I mean, I know we needed overtime to get there, but. Yeah. Like 31, 32 points a game, if you average as a team, you're first, second, third in the league. Right. And even averaging in the low 20s, you're not going to be in the bottom at all. So ultimately, we got to a very normal score. I know it took overtime. But, yeah, I, w- I, I was refreshed that both defenses showed up. There were still plays to be made, turnovers and opportunities that were uh, foregone for sure by both teams. But uh, I enjoyed the heck out of it. And also – uh, you know, I I did take exception to one thing Anthony said. He said, you know, or not Anthony. I'm sorry, it was Steve. Steve said that uh, there were not, there have not been a lot of close games recently. They've almost all been close. Yeah, Eagles Eagles Chiefs last year, Bengals Rams the year before. The Bucks Chiefs was not close. That was an outlier. Uh, but the year before that, 49ers Chiefs was close. I know it was boring. This one was boring. Rams and Patriots, but 13-3, like that's not a blowout. I wasn't bored. I know you weren't. Uh, before that, uh, was that Patriots-Eagles? Before yeah. that, that was pretty close. Yeah. That was close. 41-33. Um, before that, uh, what was that? Was it that was the Patriots-Falcons. Okay, and so that that was epic. Before that was Denver-Carolina. That was pretty close. No, I mean, I so I don't really know. I don't. Seventeen was the overtime game that the yeah. So that Patriots Falcons game yeah. was overtime. The the biggest blowout game that I can like. I'm I'm scrolling through the list. Twenty fourteen. Yeah, the, Seahawks over the Broncos, yeah. forty three to eight. That in Tampa's of the last ten to twelve years. Those are the only two non competitive games, really. Yeah. Um. So we we've, we've been pretty blessed with it. And look, I I get that. Nearly double overtime takes the cake. By the way, I did I did do all the research during one of these breaks just for clarity's sake. The timing rules: it would have gone to a second quarter if Kansas City had run the clock out without scoring anything. Just to just even to tell the, even you, three to it would have gone to fifteen oh oh start of second overtime period at three zero. Yeah, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. And they would or not if they had. <laughs> They even put out for this possibility, which God help us if this had happened. <laughs> they would not have tossed a coin again until it went through four overtime periods. So what would have Oof. had to happen? Again, they were going to play that as if it was a new game in every sense of the word. And so say Kansas City kicks a field goal there. <clears throat> say it bleeds into a second overtime period. They kick a field goal. If no one scored for three quarters – that's at li- at the, or at that point, that's when they would have gone after those four full overtime quarters. Right. That's when they would have flipped the coin and re-racked it. Would mm. we have had another halftime? 
They was they said two minute intermission between each period, so I think just two oh, minutes. I was going to say, could we have gotten Usher back out there for part two? I would have been down. Well, I don't know if that. I mean, sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we're all wanting a thirty minute halftime break after six periods of play. <laughs> the players, Although the players may. probably need it. Yeah, the the players definitely would have needed it. At that point, it's like NHL. If anyone likes NHL playoffs. There is no three-on-three or shootout in the postseason. It's like you guys figure it out and someone score. And the NHL is beautiful because you can get eight to seven, but you can get one to zero too. And so sometimes you will go two or three 20-minute periods and no one score. And it's just they're just so gassed by the end of that second overtime period. It's amazing someone doesn't just flat fall down and just someone scores over their their, their tired body. Most of the time when uh, when a hockey game goes to overtime in the playoffs, during the intermission, I'll go and take a shower. When I come back, they'll have they'll they'll be saying, "Oh, we just started overtime and somebody scored and we've won." And then then if I sit there and I wait for it, we're going to three overtimes in, in playoff <laughs> hockey, and it it's just uh, it it never ceases to amaze me how that works out. Uh, when, when I'm watching playoff hockey, but it's awesome. Yeah, I, it, it is. And so we we got that rare circumstance. And like I said, I, I, I wish the broadcast explained that more because even I didn't know that. Maybe some people already did. They'd already studied up on it. But, but the only thing I was aware of is I knew that you got the chance to possess the ball. I did not know you were guaranteed the conclusion of that possession. Um, and so obviously that rule was not in place in years prior, uh, New England took advantage of that against Kansas City. Um, New England took advantage of that against Atlanta. Um, Kansas City took advantage of it against Buffalo. Kansas City took advantage of it against Buffalo. So we had some high-powered offensive games and great quarterbacks be able to to get the ball and go and score. And obviously a lot of people didn't like that. Um, my deal is, I, is there... I don't know. I guess there's a need for a clock. I'm still trying to put together a good reason why we we are, but it it just ended up confusing more people. Ultimately, what we really had and didn't know is we had the college overtime, but on a full field is what we really had. And in that case, you would have been better off taking the ball second. Now, San Francisco, if they wanted to argue, they were just on the field for the two-minute drill, and they were tired from Mahomes running them down the field real quickly like okay like i can at least understand that but in hindsight it's like kansas city's gonna get four downs to do this if they're not in scoring range you're they're gonna know exactly what they need and they're gonna have all the time in the world like you can't put together a nine minute unbelievable 1998 drive a nine or ten minute drive and bleed the clock to where they have to be in some sort of hurry you can't do that either so there's really not much advantage to taking it first other than you apply some pressure. But, again, you get an extra down. If you need three or need seven, you're not in scoring range, you know you have four downs every way. So uh, I didn't know about that part, but did you uh, did you feel that they should have um, taken the ball second, speaking of San Francisco, or did you feel they were tired enough from that last sequence to try to give the defense some rest? I, you know, I, I kind of – See, I don't know. I mean, the analytic you kind of look at the analytics. The analytics says that you do the opposite of what they did, but I also understand if they if he thought they were gassed, then uh, it, yeah, I, I I mean, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with the coach's decision there. They 
they pay those coaches a heck of a lot more money than I get paid to to do that. So you, I'm going to trust him. Uh, throw analytics out the window. If he knows what his team needs and what's best for his team, then I then you do that. Uh, obviously, the rules are different there than in college, where it's a no brainer uh, because. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you I mean, well, unless you give up a touchdown, I mean, if you can hold a field goal, obviously you're going to get the ball back with a chance to do something. So, I don't I I don't question that. Um I I think there's I think there's plenty of other things that you can question on the 49 ers sure. side of things other than that. Um I don't think that ultimately decided anything. I mean, you you can question uh when you saw Christian McCaffrey do what he started doing there in that overtime period, you can kind of question um, why were you not doing more of that the entire game? It felt like they could have given it to him a Derrick Henry amount of times and just right. been good with it because I think he was even their leading receiver. Yeah. Like, just I, – I don't know. And I don't want to be too critical of that because they did have some openings in the passing game from sure. time to time. But I know that in their three three-and-out sequence to start the second half, eight of the nine plays were pass. Right. And the only run was after six straight passes, so it's kind of obvious at that point you needed to mix in a run on a first and ten, and they got nothing. So that was probably the one play calling element of it. Otherwise, again, they just they they needed to identify a blitz here or a blitz there, yeah. and, and make one just one more play. And if they make one more play on offense, Kansas City does not either get the ball back there with with any time in the last minute. Or you know they they take a, a two possession lead again in the second half and uh, and stretch the lead you know and and and, and puts more pressure on and, and so the reality is that's that's the small minute differences in uh, in that game so we're gonna go ahead and take our next time out of the show when we come back though we will get to best and worst of the weekend as we do each and every Monday you're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger ninety five point nine. please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 now back to auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show sports call Final few minutes of sports call today. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday. Just a moment 
We'll have best and worst of the weekend. I got a full lineup of shows this week, and then this weekend we start our coverage of high school baseball and softball, so we'll start to have a few more shortened shows in the coming weeks, so we'll, of course, let you know about all of that. But uh, for now, as we do each and every Monday, let's get to best and worst. Now time for the best and worst No, no, no! of the weekend. All right, we'll start with you, Tom. Yep. Give uh, Brooks is not always on the Monday show. He's done. Got to gather times. my thoughts. Yeah, got to gather his thought, thoughts. So Brooks, uh, or excuse me, Tom, take right. it away. Uh, so my best is going to be uh, the Mardi Gras parade here in Auburn uh, over the weekend. Getting to ride in the parade, uh, having all my stuff that I that I get every time I go down to Mobile. I go to Toomey's and Heck load yeah. up. And so, uh, just to, to be able to ride through that crowd and for folks that have never been to a Mardi Gras parade here in Auburn, it's actually a very large crowd that gathers for that and they are very loud. Uh, it's awesome. It, it's such a fun time. And then, of course, me being in town and around certain areas for so long, there's a lot of people that know me. Hey, hey, pat myself on the back. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I do hear my name get screamed out a lot with people trying to get my attention to throw beads to them or throw something to them. So it's just so fun. It, it, there's, it, It's fun. And, and the fact that we got to do it again this year is awesome. So shout out to uh, the Crew to Tigers folks that uh, allow Southwest Fire Department to be a part of the Mardi Gras parade every year. And we'll look forward to doing it again next year. Excellent. So that was my best. Uh, my worst of the weekend – comes from the Super Bowl, uh, and it's something that we haven't even talked about, and it could potentially be a reason why the San Francisco 49ers uh, defense kind of started struggling. Oh, Greenlaw. Greenlaw yeah. um, ruptures his Achilles jogging onto the field. Gosh, that's brutal. It, it, it is brutal, and it was brutal because he is such a key component to that defense. But still, all right, so so the thing is, you get injured in the Super Bowl, that's bad enough. I mean, the, the Super Bowl, you know, if you're a kid growing up playing football, obviously your dream is to get to the NFL, but past that, your dream is to play in a Super Bowl. You're in the game, you're in the Super Bowl game, and you get injured. That's terrible enough. But the fact that you were literally just jogging onto the field and your Achilles pops. Like, no contact, no inside the play, nothing, you know, you didn't. Just excited, fired up, going back on the field. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't it an end the play and you made a cut or you did something within a play and you got injured. You're literally running on the field from the sideline and your Achilles goes out, and that's the end of your Super Bowl. I mean, what a crap ending yeah. to your Super Bowl for if, you're, if you're Dre Greenlaw. So, um, I felt bad. I mean, you could – he knew what had happened. I think everybody knew what had happened. And uh, then they showed the cart coming around to get him. I'm like, oh, that's not good. But, uh, I mean, of all of all the damn things, <laughs> well, you blow your Achilles jogging off the sideline onto the field. That is just – that's incredible, and that sucks. And to add even more insult to injury, so obviously the biggest thing is, yeah, you're out of the Super Bowl. Yeah. But um, Achilles is about the worst thing you can do. 
now, and he probably won't play next year. Like, if he does, it'd be the very end of next year. Like, if he did right. rupture the Achilles, it, well, that is usually a 12-month injury. Yeah. And so he's probably out for next year. Uh, well, at least, well, and I, I also I saw somebody saying they need to uh, get him in touch with whoever uh, did uh, Aaron Rodgers' work. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe, you know, but but ser- and, and they don't and think, on average they don't it's think a 12 he, month injury. Right. They don't think he will be at least at least he will he'll miss yeah, the the first little bit of next season. If he is able to recover quickly, then he can get back in a little bit quicker, may right. not have to miss the entire season, but uh very inopportune time. I mean, the in the Super Bowl and that type of injury happens, yeah, that that could cost him a season. It's very potential, but again, it, it stinks that it happens in the Super Bowl to get injured like that. It's such a catastrophic injury, but also just the scenario or the situation of like I said, all he was doing was jogging off yep. jogging onto the field from the sideline and goes down. Like of all the things, doing any doing something that any any of us could have been doing, just just run out, just run, just jogging onto the field and pop. There it goes, unreal. Brooks, your best and worst. My worry level for the upcoming Thunder Chicken season just went skyrocketing. <laughs> um, best and worst of the weekend. Uh, my best is I'll go back to uh, I mentioned it in the uh, in the open to the show, but uh, traveled to the the two five one. To start the weekend to see with the family uh, and so saw my parents and then traveled over to Pensacola for Mardi Gras. That was super fun, uh, super fun to go to the the crude and lay gals uh, down in Pensacola at the Pensacola Yacht Club. Uh, great, great food, great time down there. It was uh, it was so fun. Uh, fifth year we uh, we've done this, me and uh, Grace, uh, and it's it's always it's always fun. It's always good to see the the the, the family and. Uh, it was, it was, it was just, you know, good. it's always good to go home and kind of, you know, kind of go around the old, the old stomping grounds down there. And so that was, that was super fun this weekend. Worst of the weekend, uh, I'm not going to go anything in the Super Bowl. Uh, it is another sporting event that happened out West though. The Waste Management Open. Yes. When was the last time? that some event said we're stopping selling the thing that makes us the most money outside of the ticket. <laughs> when was the last time yeah. that that happened? I can't tell you. And well, they, they, well, well, baseball games, I mean, obviously they well, have to put a, they have to put a cutoff at like the seventh inning. Yeah. But that's like, everybody knows baseball right. seven. You're uh, there has, I don't, I don't know if it, when the last time this happened, if it's ever happened where an event said we are cutting off alcohol because you folks can't handle this. Like I the waste minute and this I, this is going to sound like a get off my lawn segment where Brooks is being old man but he's 28. Um the waste man I understand the waste management open is like the cut loose a little bit tournament of the PGA. Like that's oh, always wow. been the, you know, we've got the stadium hole, you're going to get loud, everything like it it's going to be kind of the cut loose. This weekend was ridiculous. Did you I'm sure y'all saw the videos yep. of like every, Oh, there's numerous videos like, of just drunken stupor and it's out there i don't know it was like a big frat party yeah, yeah. it, it yeah. was it's like if live golf showed up but was on steroids because yeah. i've watched a little bit of live golf not proud of it but I'm, i watch a little bit of live golf just to because there's some big names that i want to keep up with how they're doing they're not even like that yeah. like that's not that bad 
I don't know what yeah. what happened. If it's like if you took the Auburn rodeo and made it not exactly. a rodeo, but made it a golf tournament. Exactly. That's what I was going because you had people sliding down hills. Yeah. You had people doing the uh, the snow angels and the sand trap at, at, at the the par three. Um, you it was the, Full the fact drunken that shenanigans. The fire marshal said y'all can't let anybody else in here. Like we have to close the gates and said we you got to stop letting people in and we got to cut off alcohol sales. That was ridiculous. Yeah, like it. It went overboard. I don't know. Listen, this is uh, this goes back. Uh, uh, I've said this before on the program. It feels like something flipped when we went into uh, quarantine in 2020. That people forgot to act, forgot they forgot to know how to act out in crowds. Yeah. Like it's just I don't know what it. It just feels like a, a switch was flipped that we went back to. What's a crowd? What's a line? <laughs> what is what's going on? It's like that that a switch flipped there. And you know maybe it's a, maybe it's something that people are like, hey, we got put in quarantine. We've got to you know we got to live life to the fullest now because we got everything taken away from us. Back it down just a little, folks. Just just a touch. All right. Uh, my best and worst, real quick. Best is um, Steph Curry game winner Saturday night. Hit yeah. a 30-footer uh, to beat Phoenix. There was a lot of chirping in that game, a lot of chirping. And uh, Curry hit uh, what was his fourth game-tying or go-ahead field goal this season, which is most of the NBA. Kind of tired of the Steph's not clutch narrative because it's just patently false. He's now has 10 game winners in his NBA career, and like I said, he leads the league in, uh, in shots to – to tie or take the lead. It's crazy how it just looks like he chucks things up. I know. Yeah, whatever. And, and uh, Beal almost got to it. He just missed it, and boy, did he pay for that. And so Curry hits a 30-footer with .7 left. Also, I could have just said best is Mike Breen, who just continually gets every big call in the National Basketball Association right. Like, just all the time, his iconic bang. It's just – it just he's so good. Uh, great commentator. Um, couldn't say enough great things about him, so – Glad that Curry is still playing uh, beautiful basketball, and uh, that was definitely the best for me. Uh, worst is just a generic fact here. Football's over. <laughs> We're done for like six months of meaningful football. Yes, we get a little spring. I was going to pra- say meaningful, f- yeah, yeah. meaningful football. Yes, we get a little spring practice in, in April. Yes, we get the United Football League. But uh, again, it's we'll, we'll we'll break down spring ball obviously in the show. But I don't I don't think stallions and renegades or whoever is going to be getting a full segment. And so it's just it's always a sad part of the year. I love really college and pro football equally, um, and I will miss them dearly for six months. And so it's on to basketball and baseball and yeah. and all these other great things. But uh, there's not quite like football season. And so this is officially the end of football season. And that's sad. That's the mm-hmm. worst. And that's my worst of the weekend. Final minute or two of the show today. Time for a real quick nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Well, we've got uh, college basketball take center stage tonight uh, with some movie picks. Also a bonus best of the weekend. I think Ryan's going to agree with me for this. We got a trailer for Twisters. Yeah. <laughs> we got a trailer for Twisters. I, I'm so nervous it won't be good, but I'm down either way. Nightly TV guide. Go watch you on YouTube. Watch Twisters trailer like five <laughs> times. You'll get excited. Uh, movie picks for you this evening. Six o'clock on Paramount. Sit down. Buckle in for the evening because Titanic is on. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio stars in the epic 
nine hour movie it feels like <laughs> never let go never let go jack and we will never let go of the couch because the the movie's going to last till the show starts tomorrow uh <laughs> 6 30 on fxm uh the Greatest Showman is on tonight. Then at 7 o'clock on AMC, this is your Ryan LaVoy movie pick of the evening. Knives Out is oh, on yeah. tonight. Oh, yeah. Knives, they're going to make a third one of those, too. And Starts I'm, filming this year, doesn't it? Yeah, just go ahead and make 12. Go ahead. Uh, sports picks for you this evening. As I said, college basketball is on all night. 6 o'clock ESPN. you got Wake Forest visiting uh, number 8 Duke, a battle of two North Carolina teams. Then at 8 o'clock, a battle in the Big 12 is Kansas, who's had some struggles on the road this year. They visit Texas Tech at the United Supermarkets Arena. Also, 8 o'clock on ESPNU, you've got Prairie View A&M visiting Florida A&M for some swack action. And then 8 o'clock on ESPN2, some women's college basketball action in the Pac-12 as Arizona visits USC. And that is a nightly TV guide brought to our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and thank you for being here on this Monday, and we will see you again later this week. See you then. And Tom Peavy, thank you for being here on this Monday. We will see you again tomorrow. Absolutely. I'll be here. And that will do it for this Monday edition of the show. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.